Blog Talk Radio. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons. I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men. And it's just beautiful. Folks, it is Wednesday night. You know what that means. It's time for a little Southern Sports Central uh, live right now. This is uh, Eugene Benton, and we got alongside my the sidekick, the uh, the hostess with the mostess, man. I guess I'm actually the sidekick sitting on the other side of the booth. We all know that Richie's got the face for radio and the voice uh, that just uh, soothes you to sleep. Nah, just kidding, buddy. Uh, we are starting right now at uh, 6.02. Uh, we got a packed show tonight at 6.30. We got David Shelton always joins us from the Post and Courier. Uh, looks like there's only one team, as we were told, on as what they would call the local media would call their demo, I guess, which means the demographic. Uh, there's only one team playing in that demographic Friday night, and that's the Oceanside Lane Sharks, who will be at home uh, over at Johnson Hagen Stadium, a wonderful facility, uh, home of the Citadel Bulldogs. They will be taking on. Camden Bulldogs, who will be coming down uh, from, I guess, it's a pretty good drive. I've been to Camden for a big man camp. Um, they got a very nice stadium themselves. Uh, very talented team. 
uh, big offensive line, uh, superstar running back. Willis Lane was on our show last week. Great coaching staff. Those guys, uh, you know, they've put up a lot of points this year. They've had some uh, very good – when they had to play defense, they played some great defense as well. Uh, hats off to those guys. Uh, you know, they've had an impressive season. They come in undefeated. Um and it should be a good battle. I think last week it was kind of a more of a, from what I could tell, it was a chippy game with it, with uh, um, Camden and Brooklyn Casey. Uh, a lot of kind of the personal foul type stuff. Um, no, I just hasn't had any of those games this year. I don't think they do. They just, you know, they they play tough, play with class, and, I, and I've seen that out of Camden too. Um, you know, they just kind of just stick their head down and go to work, take care of business kind of thing. Um, and that should be a good one, uh, seven, 7.30 Friday night, Johnson Haygood Stadium. Uh, the winner would then go on to play um, the winner out of Gilbert and Dillon for the lower state title uh, and get that wonderful feeling of practicing on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, I've got to experience that. It is, it, it's it's no like no other. Going into it, you you kind of like, oh, man, we got to get up on Thanksgiving and go practice. But then once you get to that field and – you're out there and the kids are bopping around and, you know, you're hitting pads and, you know, a lot, a lot of the parents brought out, you know, the lawn chairs and, and watch and nobody really stayed home to, to, to make the turkeys unless they left grandma at the house because last year I think it was almost as many people watching a practice as there was, you know, for a regular game day. It was so exciting, so thrilling. Um, you know, the weather, it was nice and sunny. Uh, the mayor of Mount Pleasant was out with Oceanside and said like a blessing and, and kind of, you know, a send-off on behalf of the town of Mount Pleasant. That was really, really cool. Um, but just, you know, I remember leaving there, and, and uh, I had a young man with me. We were leaving the practice field, and I had to drop him off. You know, he had uh, his dad was making Thanksgiving turkey and stuff like that. And, you know, it was just it was kind of weird. You almost didn't want to leave the field, you know, because Thanksgiving is so much about family and that camaraderie of your own family and friends and things like that. And when you're sitting there uh, on a football field with a bunch of guys and a bunch of and ladies, you know, and the training staff and coaches, and, and it's Thanksgiving morning, and you know that, hey, if we win tomorrow night, we have a chance to play for a state championship. That only comes around one time. If you're an uh, eligible player, there's only four cracks at it, and that's including your freshman year. You only get four cracks at that state title. And so, you know, it's just, it was so exciting. And it's something that, you know, if you're looking at it as, you know, well, I can't imagine wanting to get up early on Thanksgiving morning to go to a field and, and to get sweaty. You know, it was it was just such a powerful experience. Um, and it's really hard to even describe, you know, all the emotions tied in it. But uh, one of the things that we did was um, got a ring people could just step into the middle of the ring and uh, state what they were thankful for and things like that. And then, like I said, you know, uh, Mayor Haney also had blessed the team and, and gave a, you know, a pretty good kind of, I call them the rah-rah speech and things like that. It was just, again, it was such a great experience. But, you know, so we'll talk about that, you know. But, you know, to get there, either team has got a heck of a matchup this coming uh, Friday night, you know, with Oceanside and Camden Camden and Oceanside, you know, one of the predictors of the uh, writers of the Columbia thought maybe it was going to be a high-scoring shootout-type match. I don't see it that way. I really don't. Um, I think Camden's going to kind of try to will their way, and I say that with a pun on, on Willis's name. Uh, 
He has 399 carries for 4,000 yards over his uh, career, high school career. So if you think about it, it's 10 yards a carry. In other words, you hand the ball to the man and get you a first down on every play. Um, you know, Oceanside is a great defense this year. A lot of people think they've overperformed. They're really young. They lost the front four from last year, lost secondary, lost linebackers. Um, but, you know, hats off to the, to the younger guys uh, and, and the strength coaches. And, of course, you know, the, the defense coordinator, Coach O, and, and the defensive staff with Coach Crosby and those guys because – you know, like I said, there weren't so many people who thought the defense would have uh, held those guys in games, and they certainly did. A perfect example would be, you know, when they had to put their – kind of dig those heels in last Friday night on that last drive to win. You know, they had players make plays, and that's what they did to preserve that win uh, against Hanahan. Hanahan didn't get a single first down in the second half, and everybody knows Coach Craig knows how to run an offense. He's put up tons of, tons of yards, tons of points, and even state titles in this uh, days as head coach. But, uh, you know, it should be fun Friday night. I know a bunch of the staff's going to be there from here. Uh, we're also going to have staff at the Beaufort game, uh, Beaufort-Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach will be traveling down to Beaufort. We'll also have uh, someone at the uh, Carolina Forest-Dutch Fort game. So looking forward to these matchups Friday night. We'll try to cover as many as we can for you. You know, so we're down to uh, 20 games. So, again, next Monday, 20 teams check in helmets and pads. 20 teams keep playing. Uh, really excited though. Uh, so that's at six thirty. We have David Shelton again. I know got a little sidetracked. Just a little excited. Uh, looking forward to Friday night, seven o'clock. We got Jay Williams, commissioner of the South Carolina Youth Football Association. They have those uh, championship games coming up this Saturday. Uh, it'll be played at Woodland High School. Um, so you have the eight U, the ten U, the twelve U uh, championships, and you know there's going to be some pretty good ball out there, man. There's a team from North Charleston, the Raiders. Really, really good. Uh, the team that represents, uh, I'm guessing, uh, Asher Ridge, the Foxes, those, those guys are really good. I know some of those kids on that team. Um, it should be fun by all, but, you know, definitely those guys are looking forward to it. I'm so glad they got to play. I remember, you know, one of the first times, well, I should say first time, but back earlier in the fall when we had uh, Coach Williams on, the, or the commish, uh, on the show. And, you know, he just, he finally got to a point, and I just remember him saying, you know what? This Saturday, I'm going to make a decision. And he made that decision to for them to play. And uh, those kids will probably may, – may not necessarily know it or appreciate it right now, but I'm sure that one day they'll look back and they'll be forever grateful for uh, Commissioner Jay Williams for um, pushing full steam ahead with the league. Coming up at 7.30, we got Kevin Noon. Uh, he is a writer and uh, covers for Ohio State. Um, he's the Ohio State Rivals guy. He's also the managing editor for Buckeye Grove up in uh, the state of Ohio. There's some big games going off, play, playoff games going on this week in Ohio. Uh, he texted us that he's been on the road, so maybe we'll catch up and find out where he's been and what he's been doing on the road. Then finally at 8 o'clock, we have our celebrity guest picker coming on tonight, the aforementioned Coach Art Craig uh, with two, two state titles and many, many, many conference titles under his belt. Um, Coach Craig will be joining us. Uh, he's now, if you've been sleeping under a rock and hadn't heard the news, Coach Craig just uh, led the team over from Hanahan, a uh, team that didn't win many games uh, the previous year, come in brand new, led those guys to um, the playoffs, finishing second in the region. They go up on the playoffs. And, you know, I tell you, I was up in Columbia, and I looked at my, my phone, I looked out, and I tried to find the score. There's a young man on the team that reached out to me on the way up. 
So I look down and I see the score is fourteen. It was fourteen to nothing, Hanahan. And I just, man, I got so excited. I just couldn't believe it. I, I wanted to believe it, but I couldn't believe it. Unfortunately, uh, Dylan just kind of reached in and said, not at our house, and um, ended up pulling away uh, pretty well in that game and uh, giving those guys, sending the, the Hanahan folks home. And uh, But, you know, what a great season for those guys. You know, I know a lot of people don't consider it a great season if you end on a loss. However, you know, they didn't win many games the last two years. Coach Craig comes in. It's so hard, you know, when you come in the first year and install everything play-wise, playbook, play calls, signals, weight room, culture, any, everything you can imagine. It's very, very difficult to do that. And then what did we have this year, you know, making it even worse was the old thing called COVID and all these shutdowns. So, I, you know, it, it, that's, that was a heck of a job by him to, to do that and his staff. Hats off to those folks. I'm sure he'll, you know, we'll get a chance to catch up about the hand-to-hand program. But the mission – that is before him tonight, what we'll be doing. The three of us, Richie, Coach Craig, and myself, we will be picking 1A, 2A, and 3A round two games. So we will have those on. We picked uh, 5A and 4A with the guest picker, um, Coach Steele. The, uh, when was that? Uh, that was two nights ago on Monday night. We picked 4A and 5A games with him. He's the principal over at Berkeley High School. But uh, So we'll have him in at 8 o'clock and uh, – after that, you know, we'll see how long we can keep them and talk football and talk playoffs. And uh, But uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. It's uh, Wednesday. we got football on Friday. So Thursday we'll have a uh, Miss V show. And, um, man, you know, it's really kind of hard to keep it in, but we're really excited. It's that time of year. It's nice and cold weather. Uh, you're getting close to the holidays. Time for some turkey and some, you know, some, some big playoff uh, high school games, some big college games this week. Uh, as well as some NFL games. So what we'll do right now is 6:14. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if the uh, hostess with the mostess has got it loaded up and ready to go.
Right, and we're back, folks. Uh, sorry about that. I had actually 
an unexpected visitor show up at the house, so um, we are now back rolling. Um, had to get some equipment for uh, Friday night's matchup and just had to uh, take care of some things, and uh, now we got everything squared away. We're actually just uh, rocking and rolling, but trying to get back on schedule here. Like I said, at 6.30, we have uh, Del- uh, David Shelton who will be joining us uh, to discuss uh you know, the game's Friday night. Um, you know, I, the man came on Friday, and he must have been a wizard or something. And he said, I can see a scenario where all nine teams lose. And I can see a scenario where, you know, a, a good bit of those teams win. But what happened now, the nine demographic market teams, eight of them went down. And so I want to talk to him a little bit about that and see what, you know, why he kind of went there? I, I'm curious. I don't, I don't think anybody, and maybe that was some of us drinking the Low Country Kool Aid or the Charleston County, Berkeley County, Dorchester County Kool Aid, whatever you want to call it, Tri County Kool Aid. Um, that we didn't see it that way, but there was something about it that he saw this year, and and maybe he's covered enough teams in Columbia and, and around the state to know that they're just that much better than football in the Low Country this year. So um, uh, we'll definitely catch up with him about that. Uh, there should be, um, you know, for for me personally, it seemed like there weren't a lot of big time college matchups this past weekend. Uh, coming up this weekend, though, oof, Indiana and Ohio State at noon. I thought that that one's going to be a pretty good one, and I don't think we've been able to say that before, or at least not probably since I was uh, around. Um, is Indiana has not shown what they've shown this year. They're four and zero in the Big Ten, ranked number nine. This is at in Ohio at Ohio Stadium, a very beautiful stadium. I've actually been there. Um, so number three, Ohio State hosting number nine, Indiana. Uh, number four, Clemson goes on the road. They did lose that game to Notre Dame. Uh, how will they come back? I think you know, this is going to be the first time that they're back with Trevor at all. They get a bunch of the defensive guys back. Um, you know, and, and it's Florida State. Now, I know Florida State's been down. Um, but for all intents and purposes, if you'd ask me, I think that's still Clemson's uh, conference rival game. And so that game means a lot to them. We've already seen uh, a team like North Carolina that was unbeaten uh, and looked to have a, a, a shot at doing some big things this year. And once again, Florida State trips up those guys and beats them. <clears throat> Excuse me, rolling on. Also at noon, uh, my Florida Gators will be – uh, at Vanderbilt, I don't expect much out of this one. Uh, Florida favored, shoot, 31.5 points. Uh, Vanderbilt's just not very good this year, 0-6. Uh, the Shawna Clears, the 15th ranked, let's get that right, 15th ranked Shawna Clears, uh, 5-0 in the Sun Belt. We'll be hosting a Sun Belt matchup versus Appalachian State. Also at noon, Appalachian State comes in at 6-1. and We know Coastal 7-0. and uh, Really excited to get those guys uh on the show as much as we do. Um, definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, I don't believe I've missed any Coastal games this year. I've at least caught either the whole entire game or, or a good part of it. Uh, rolling on, we got Big Cincinnati rolling in at number seven, playing down to Orlando at Central Florida. Uh, both are ranked Wisconsin and Northwestern. Wisconsin is 10, Northwestern's 19. The game is uh, in Evanston, Illinois at Northwestern. Uh, number one, Alabama's hosting Kentucky. Kentucky's got a good defense. I don't think they're shocking Alabama, but they got a good defense this weekend. Um, Kansas State at Iowa State. Mississippi State to Georgia at 730. Also at 730, the Bedlam game, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. 
undefeated 730 undefeated Liberty takes the show on the road. Hugh Freeze goes over to Raleigh, North Carolina to take on 5-3 and three NC State. I think that's going to be a pretty cool game. Uh, in the Pac-12, we got at 10.30 p.m., we got number 20 USC um, over at uh, Utah. Utah has not played a game so far this year. They are 0-0. Zero and zero. Um, but so that game, yep, that game is in Salt Lake City, um, and that has a 10.30 Eastern start time. Uh, so those are the big matchups we're looking forward to this Saturday. Uh, I think we're 625. Uh, I think we should be rolling along now. Uh, sounds like the mic has been dropped and picked up uh, by our hostess with the mostest. What's going on, big guy? Hey, brother, what's going on, man? Glad to be here with you. You know, uh, everybody said, what you going to do now that the four doesn't play? Well, uh, that that's one angle of, of what I do on, uh, on uh, high school football. Of course, as you know, I was just in a meeting and Got some things coming up. 21, year 21 is going to be a big one for Southern Sports Central, man. And uh, definitely some good news coming out of that meeting. Glad to be here. Uh, I'm actually into the studio, of course, up here in Somerville. You're down at the North Charleston site. And um, just looking forward to Friday night, man. You know, us getting down to Johnson Haygood Stadium together, you know, me uh, having the opportunity to, to catch up with a, a brother of mine on the sideline. It's going to be Joe Call, of course, uh, playing our coaching, if you will, in, in round two. And who would have thought of all the coaches and of all the teams that it would be Oceanside being the only team in the confines of the low country? Because we do know Well Branch and, and Beaufort down there getting ready to get it on here as well. But uh, who would have think, you know, is, again, anything can happen Friday night. I, I get that, and I don't mean this Oceanside in any manner, but I know you guys are the underdogs coming in here Friday night. But if you learned anything, River Bluff showed a lot of people a lot of things, and Irmo showed a lot of people a lot of things, and that is play the game, do the best you can do, and then see what happens. And I think that's kind of the, the, the way that, that I know Coach Call will coach this one. He'll coach up his guys. I know Buford has a big task with Myrtle Beach. We got eyes down there. We got some eyes on the field up at Dutch Fork as they welcome in a team from the Grand Strand and Carolina Force and our, our guy Brandon Bisco being. So a lot of things are happening. Looking forward to hearing David Shelton here in about three minutes to four minutes. He's going to try to jump on. It's very busy. As you know, uh, the high school league did have uh, a meeting today. They talked about who's playing at Ben Lim- who's playing at um, uh, over at the, the, the big school and who's going to be hanging out over at the, the smaller school, right? I mean, Benedict's going to be hosting the five and the four A, and it looks like Irmo, no, excuse me, Spring Valley is going to be hanging out with the ones and the twos and threes. And I'm wondering if there's going to be any conversation from the ones and twos because usually that is where they go. So they've been moved, uh, you know, locations. But I got to tell you, Spring Valley's facilities by far are incredible. It's going to be a great, great weekend of sports. I'm, I'm hoping they give us our passes like they normally do so that we can get up there and watch a day full of football and uh, cover some sports. Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, and, uh, we'll have um, the sideline crew kind of kicked up at the Citadel. I think I'm scheduled to be there, oh, I think about 4 o'clock, 4.30-ish, something like that. Um, but, you know, the, the shark will be open and uh, the blood will be spewing by the time the kids run through um, before kickoff. But uh, we'll have a chance to get get you up to the booth. I know you've been over in the door, Fort Dorchester booth, but um, – you know, the crew will be set up up there with the DJs and all the sound system. And, you know, I mean, it's a great experience.
experience, Rich. Uh, the Citadel has spent so much money in the locker rooms and facilities uh, recently. It's just it's it's an awesome experience. As you've heard many times, the kids would come on um, from Oceanside and whatnot and just say, you know, how awesome it was and, and how grateful they were to play in that facility. So we'll have that kickoff show coming live uh, from the sidelines and the booth or wherever, uh, you might, uh, be with your mic in hand. Um, you know, it, it, it's exciting. I tell you, uh, never take a day for granted, never take a game for granted because you never know, uh, when it's your last, whether it's due to, uh, losing or, or some other effects. I know there are a lot of guys that want to play baseball this year and, and, and have full football schedules, this, that, and the other. Um, and some of those things were taken away, but by gosh, we're going to focus on the positive. And right now the positive is, you know, we got playoff games and, you know, it sounds like they were trying to lock in the state title games, um, you know, with locations. It sounds like so it's going to be 1A, which I thought this was interesting, 1A, 4A, and 5A are going to be at Benedict and can get 2,000 fans. 2A and right. 3A is going to be at Spring Valley with 1,850 fans, 150 fans short. I just right. thought it was interesting because why is 1A – going with the 2,000 fans, like 4A and 5A. That just, to me, was just interesting. But anyway, well, maybe uh, I think Shelton just popped into the room, uh, so we'll uh, maybe ask him about it and catch up with him with some other things. That is true. Let's take a quick break. Let's give him an introduction. I don't want to keep him long. He's got a lot going on. As uh, I mentioned earlier, the South Carolina High School uh, Association, the, the, the sports team over there in Columbia with the uh, the commissioner, had their meeting today. We're going to find out what all was said during that meeting. We'll also kind of get uh, David's thoughts on, uh, you know, the playoffs and how it's going so far. He did, by the way, I got to give him credit. He said that there could be a lot more disappointing teams in the low country than people think. And he was right. We're going to talk about that and much more with the legendary man himself, David Shelton, coming out of this one from the Post and Courier. Guys, don't go anywhere. everybody i'm rich Yellen alongside eugene ben it is wednesday night and it is southern sports central coming to you live from charleston south carolina the coastline of the carolinas here's where we are located and right now we are joined by the great david shelton with the post and courier also covers it with bill cornblue on friday nights here on wednesday nights and throughout the week with bobby harden over on radio world so with that david good afternoon and thanks for taking some time out buddy hey glad to be here Beautiful day, wasn't it? <laughs> you were right, by the way. You heard me giving you the love and the uh, and, and all the credit, man. I tell you, wow, ten teams knocked out, three remain, and two of those got to be found at the the lowest part of the Low Country, out of Beaufort, Well Branch, and of course we said uh, where I'm sure you'll be, will be as well on Friday nights over there at Oceanside as they try to hang on tight and pull up another upset around the uh, state of South Carolina on playoffs. 
Yeah, that that uh, you know, last Friday night was a uh, was a dark day or dark night. It uh, it's never happened before around here that that many teams uh, got knocked out in the first round. Now, granted, it was different. Um, the, all the teams in the playoffs are really good. There are no walkovers. You know, um, you know, a lot of people were stunned that Port Dorchester lost to River Bluff, and I'm like, well, you know, I mean, River Bluff is pretty good. Uh, right. They lost to Dutch Fork, and I think that's the only game they lost. So. Um, but that one kind of got me because that fort was so good offensively all year. I just didn't see Riverbuck being able to hold them to two touchdowns. And, uh, but they did and they won and, you know, uh, but, but a lot of the other ones, you know, I mean, Oceanside had to hold off of, you know, at the last second or they would have lost. So, uh, it could have been a man, it could have been, I'd have been bored this weekend, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think Oceanside Camden's got the potential to be a really good game. I'm 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 telling all the Oceanside fans right now that team that's coming into town is as good as anybody they have ever played ever. That team is good. Um, I picked them to win the 3A state championship, so obviously I think they're going to win Friday night. But I hope I'm wrong for my buddy Joe Call. But uh, but uh, they're they're really good. They're they're big up front. Uh, they're fast on defense. They got a great running game, great quarterback, uh, really good. I mean, they have the total package. Um, they do have lapses on defense sometimes, but they score so well that, you know, that they overcome it. But their coach, Brian Rimp, is a former NFL guy and a former lineman, and they really block well. So you're going to get two really good offensive lines uh, Friday night. If you're at that game, you're going to see really two really good offensive lines. Live right now with David Shelton. He uh, does a ton of things around the state of South Carolina. He, of course, covers it with the Post and Courier on all the high school news around the great state, but right here in the low country as well. David, you know, one thing I watched River Bluff do, and, and it seems like the film I've seen on Camden, very similar. This is a one-and-two power punch and running back team. They've got a good quarterback that can direct the traffic when need be, and they don't only score some points. They run off a lot of clock, very similar styles. Is that kind of an accurate assessment to you? Again, this team hasn't lost but what once in the last two or three years. Yeah, they they're they're somewhat like River Bluff, except they're just a little more explosive. Like they can they can go sixty, seventy yards on one play. They they have some explosive capabilities. But if you take away their big play, they are capable of going ten play, eleven play, four yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing, and then score touchdowns that way. So but but Willis Lane, the running back, I mean, you give him a crease, he'll take it to the house. So the the thing for Oceanside is to not let them hit the big play. You have to make them, uh, even if they control the clock like Ainer did. Ainer had, you know, 12 play drives, 13 play drives. But then Oceanside got the ball and they scored. And that's what you have to do. You, you're not going to get as many possessions. Um, so you got to make sure you take advantage of them, you know, when you get the ball. But uh, Camden's got Camden's got more explosiveness than uh, River Bluff or or Ainer. I mean, they they can they can score in a hurry. I mean, they they scored fifty something points last week against Brooklyn Casey, so they they can put the points on the board. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, the winner of that one will be taking on either Dylan or Gilbert. You and I talked a little bit about this last week. You surprised very little probably that Gilbert beat Lake City, and of course we knew. That uh, And, by the way, our guest picker tonight for the one, two, and threes is going to be Coach Art Craig because we let Steven still come in here and hang out with us to do the four and five on Monday. 
But uh, he took a tough loss on Saturday to Dylan. That being said, uh, what do you like about this Gilbert and Dylan matchup as Dylan looks to try to go after another ring? Yeah, they're 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 two really good teams. Uh, Gilbert runs the football. Dylan runs the football. Dylan's got a great receiver and and Huggins Bruce out there on the perimeter. Um, Gilbert might be, and this is strange to say, might be a little better defensively than Dylan. Dylan's defense is solid, but not as dominant. I mean, they've had some dominant defenses in the past. I mean, I'm talking like eight, nine shutouts in a year. I mean, they've been really dominant. But this one, this team is a little different defensively. They're not as big. Um, They're pretty quick. Um, And, you know, they're still good, but Gilbert is going to pound the football. Gilbert is going to run that football. They got a big old back, and um, he's well over 1,000 yards, and and they're pretty good on defense, and Dylan's got to go there. but I, I think that game is going to be down to the wire. I mean, it would not shock me if Gilbert beat Dylan. Um, but but you got to. I mean, you always got to go with Dylan because they're always <laughs> they're always in the finals. Right. Yeah, and you, it's hard to go against a coach that's got the legend. Uh, the legend, of course, in the making, and he builds it every year. As uh, you know, he's got tons of championship trophies around him as well up there in that part of the state of South Carolina. And on the other side, this is a cool story for me because I watched Ren last year at 4A, do what they did against Myrtle Beach. Now, that quarterback and a bunch of other guys aren't there at Red, but the coaches, along with a few other coaches and some players that moved up with them, as they went down, they're now in 3A playing a team like Woodruff, but they'll play the winner of the team that won that 3A last year in Chapman and Daniel. Now, Daniel's another great team, but on the upper side, David, it seems like four solid quality teams that any one of these four could end up representing the upstate when it's all said and done. Yeah, they're all pretty good. I, I, I do think Wren is better than Woodruff. Um, and and I tell you, if if I didn't have to be in Charleston Friday night, I would go see Chapman and Daniel. Um, mm. That game has the potential to be a classic. I mean, you're talking about two teams that can score a lot of points. And, you know, they're both pretty good on defense, so something's going to have to give. But I really look. I look for that one to be in the 40s, um, I, you know, the over-under, like, 80 points. Because Now, you know, anything can happen on Friday night, but just when you look at the history of these two teams this year, uh, I mean, Daniel, I don't know what got in. They they, they are explosive. They score. Um, you know, they 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 scored 40, 50-something on Chester, and, and, and it wasn't even hard. And Chester's pretty good. Um, so I, I, I think I think the winner of the Camden, I mean of the Chapman Daniel game is going to win the upper state. I think one of those two teams uh, will win the upper state. I think Wren has got a shot, but I don't think they're nearly as good as they've been, um, and and uh, and I don't think Woodruff can play with either one. In fact, I think Chapman beat Woodruff pretty good during the season. So uh, the Daniel Chapman game is going to have a lot of eyes on it from around the state, no doubt. Live right now with David Shelton. We're looking at the playoffs. It is the second round, and if you looked at the bigger picture, it actually would be the third round during a normal season. And we look back at that 10 drop-down teams out of 13 in the low country, David. We kind of remember it was Friday the 13th, and it was 2020, so anything could happen on that weekend. But let's look at the 4A real quick. Beaufort and Myrtle Beach. Now, Beaufort beat Florence. Myrtle Beach had to come back to beat South Aiken and bring Ryan Berger off the sideline and onto the field. 
as he's, of course, better than he was. But at this point, you know, you, you still wonder about that injury that he's had in the past. Now, that being said, Myrtle Beach traveling to Beaufort. North Myrtle Beach is going to see a North Augusta team. What do you like about this matchup in the lower state in the final four on this side? Yeah, I, I think the Beaufort-Myrtle Beach game could be really interesting. I think Beaufort continues to sort of shock people. I, I, I think the way they beat West Florence the other night, it shocked me. I didn't think that uh, that game would be that kind of margin. But, uh, you know, Bryce has done a really good job at, at Beaufort, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. And then, you know, beating Myrtle Beach would be a feather in the cap because we all know what Myrtle Beach has been over the last decade. Um, that would be a huge victory. Um, now, I know people in the in the Grand Strand are hoping their two teams win so they'll play each other for the lower state finals next week. But uh, I do like North Myrtle Beach being North Augusta. Uh, I think North Augusta is solid, good quarterback, can throw the football a little bit. But uh, the way North Myrtle Beach is playing defense, I, I just – they're going to be hard to beat in the lower state, um, even if it is Myrtle Beach again, um, which, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't really got a feel for the Myrtle beach Beaufort game because I, I think Myrtle Beach is good, but Berger is questionable. Um, Adam Randall's a little dinged up. Uh, their receivers are so good. But uh, but Beaufort can play some defense now. Those those guys up front get after it. So uh, that got, that's got to be a concern for, for Myrtle Beach is that, that uh, Eamon Smalls and some of those guys uh, get loose and, and get on Berger pretty quick. And, and you know, that, that could be a dangerous situation. Yeah, and then there's a kid named Daryl DePass. I believe he's a sophomore defensive back kid. He uh, looks like he's full strength, too. He's a kid out of the Buford area. That's going to be, I think, probably the best game in, in 4A when it comes down to it. Now, the two teams that kind of got me, and I need you to teach me something here, David, Catawba Ridge. Who is Catawba Ridge other than a team that beat Greer? And then you see Irmo. Man, they look like Irmo back in the day when we were growing up, taking out Westside. And, of course, uh, Coach Early's really good team was knocked out early in round one. So what do you like about Irmo taking on Catawba Ridge? And how about South Point, another upset over Greenwood? That conference, that region took a big hit Friday night. And uh, AC Floor, I think AC Floor is really the best team in this whole bracket left over. Yeah, I, I think AC Floor is the, the team to beat. Um, South Point will give them a fit with their defense, but, but AC Floor is really good. And they got a really good defense, too. And, and, you know, it's one of those teams that if they get up 28 points, if they get 28 points, they're, they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose a game 35-28. If they get 28 or more, they're going to win. Um, you know, that, that Catawba Ridge is, is a new school, a couple years old, uh, kind of up, up there in the Rock Hill area, um, Indian land, uh, Fort Mill area. It's kind of in that general direction over there. Um, got a really good coach, and they've they've quietly just just beat everybody on their schedule except South Point. Um, and and beating Greer was a huge feather in their cap. So they won't be, uh, you know, they won't be intimidated by Irmo. Irmo's playing some great football right now, and uh, got down to Westside. I mean, Westside had that game under control and Irmo came storming back. Um, so that, that's an interesting game because I don't think anybody back in September, if you, if you had them be honest, say that Catawba Ridge or Irmo would be in the upper state finals in 4A. I don't think anybody would, would have got that right. Which is weird because what was it? Uh, you want to think Scott Early's team there was the team that, that was represented along with Greenwood, but it was Greenville 
also part of that region that did not make it because they only took the top two. So for them both to be sitting on the outside, you wonder what that coach up there at Greenville right now is thinking, David. Yeah, um, I'm just, they could have they could have won the upper state. I mean that that team was good enough. I mean it's just it's unfortunate the way the tiebreaker went, but um, yeah, they they there ain't you know AC four maybe, but none of those other teams were were better than Greenville. Maybe as good, but not better. Yeah, I agree with you. As you look at it now, we look down to five A before we look at the ones and twos. We touched briefly because of course Somerville Goose Creek. Berkeley and Fort Dorchester were eliminated in uh, last week's event, which means Dutch Fork sees Carolina Force. That's a rematch, by the way. Sumter, River Bluff, that's going to be a pretty solid matchup. We'll see if there's two big front guys that Sumter can handle that number four running back over at River Bluff, who I think is good as advertised. I watched the kid really do a great job running up the middle multiple times on Friday night. Now, that being said, what do you like about this 5A matchup in the lower state? Well, I, I like Sumter to beat River Bluff. I was really hoping Sumter and Fort Dorchester would meet. That would have been fun. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think River Bluff certainly is capable of winning this game. Um, but I, I, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Sumter in this game. I just think, you know, their defense will rise to the occasion. They, they're good quarterback, good running back. I don't see it being a high scoring game. I, you know, kind of like what Fort and River Bluff were. I mean, a couple touchdowns each team and. You know, make a kick, make an extra point, make a field goal, something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I think that'll be a very competitive game. And I, I think I, I'm not going to call Carolina Forest an upset of Dutch Fork, but I think they'll compete. I think that game will be a little bit closer um, than a lot of people are suggesting. And now Dutch Fork is really good, but Carolina Forest can do some things. Um, to keep that game close. Now, the, the big thing is is that Dutch Fork's defense, who gets never gets any credit because they score so many points, their defense is dang good. And Carolina Forest likes to run the football, and they do a really good job with it. Um, but if they can't get first downs on Dutch Fork, it's going to be a long night because you give that ball back to that offense, and you're just asking for trouble. So that's going to be the matchup is, is, is their offense against Dutch Fork's defense. And uh, whoever wins that matchup is going to win that football game. Yeah, because at the end of the first quarter, it was all zeros for Somerville. I thought they actually had a pretty good game plan going in, and I really thought Somerville would have kept it a little closer. But, uh, again, Dutch Fork, you know, a lot of people, they watch this kid named Hyatt, but at the end of the day, he's like maybe the number three or four best receiver on that team. And that kind of opens it up, I I think, for some other guys. I like the way you broke down Carolina Forest. I agree with you. I don't think it would be – I'm not sure, like you, to call the upset, but I think if Carolina Force plays their football, does what they needed to do, of course, to get to where they are, that they should be, could be in good shape. Now, in the upper state, there are some, again, four strong teams, T.L. Hanna and Gaffney. Boy, I tell you what, that's another game I wish they spread some of these out three days out of the weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That would be a game I'd like to see in Dorman and Northwestern. We know about the University of Dorman, but – we can't count out Northwestern as they took out Hillcrest, David. And they're really good on defense. Uh, you know, Paige Wofford's a low country boy. Um, you know, he, he spent some time down here in the low country and grew up down here. And, um, you know, Northwestern's defense is legit. I mean, they're, they're very good. Um, now, Dorman's offense is also very, very good. So um, that'll be a battle of wills there. But a lot of people just have Dorman walking through this when I, you know, 
I, I, I mean, Northwestern's offense is not going to light it up, but they are really good on defense, and that defense will keep this game close. And then with Hannah and Gaffney, you got, you know, two totally opposite attacks. You know, Hannah does the the old Georgia Tech A-bone offense, option, 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 never throws the ball, and then Gaffney throws it, you know, two out of three down. So um, Gaffney's defense will be tested. You know, that Hannah is just so hard to prepare for because you never see it, especially hmm. in 5A. I mean, nobody runs that offense except Hannah and maybe Kane Bay. And, you know, it's a little, River Bluff does a little bit, but not, but not they, they're, they're a different formation. Um, but, uh, but Hannah executes that thing very well. And you talk about not getting the ball. I mean, Hannah could keep it for a whole quarter. Uh, hmm. They will literally take three and a half yards and be happy every play. And, uh, and then when you get tired, they bust one for 60. Um, so Gaffney's defense is going to be stressed. They haven't been great on defense. So that, that's going to be stressful for Gaffney's defense, no question. Should be an interesting matchup in the uh, 5A. Now, before we go to 2A, you remember, you know, we've talked about a lot of individuals who have left us early. You know, for me, this was a, a weird season because I, I've always had that opportunity to talk to a guy that we both know over at ESPN that passed away in Ted Burns. And, you know, there were many nights, and I haven't said this yet much, but there were many nights I could almost hear him giving me advice before I walked out and walked into the stadium, or as I would do my normal routine of walking the perimeter, he would kind of, I could hear him almost giving me some of that word of encouragement, but he's not the only one that we, that we lost last year. Of course, John McKissick was one of those, the legendary athletic director over there, Coach Hayes at, uh, over at Wando and uh, one of uh, Oceanside. They lost one of their coaches to, to of course, uh, to cancer, but Radio is, of course, the home of T.L. Hanna. You know, how much do you think that they are playing with heavy hearts to kind of bring a championship home in his name? Well, I think it probably, you know, it probably has been brought up a few times, and, and it's it's probably not, uh, you know, something they talk about, you know, in a major way. But those kids, I mean, they, they all knew who radio – I mean, everybody knows who radio was. So, um, you know, but, but I'm sure they could use that as some sort of motivation, but – once the game start, uh, none of that's going to matter. They got to go out and play, and, um, and and Gaffney is not someone you want to be distracted with. I mean, they're they're good enough to to blow you out, but I don't think that's going to be a blowout. I really don't. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Hannah won that game. Yeah, we'll wait and see how that works out quickly. Look at the two way now, my buddy and your friend as well, Scott Durham is listening tonight. I'm sure because I know we listened to Lou Bezjack's breakdown of this game. And that is his Yellow Jackets taking on Pillion. Now Andrews knocked out Sherall. Pillion knocked out Phillips Simmons. Kind of get your thoughts on that. How about Barnwell? Upsetting, if you ask me, or, or maybe not. Uh, a team like Woodland, they move on to play Marion. What's your thoughts in 2A in the lower side? You know, I, I think uh, I was talking with someone today about the lower state, and, and I really believe Andrews can win the lower state and get to the state finals. I mean, they might be – Marion beat them at the first game of the year, but I'm not. I, I don't know if Marion is as good as Andrews is right now. Um, and then you got Barnwell with with all their tradition, and you know they they lost a couple of games, but you know one game they lost, they didn't play a lot of their guys because they, the playoffs were coming up, and you know. But whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's what you do now. It's November to remember. That's all it's about. And and uh, you know you'd have to kind of think Barnwell. Um, is going to beat Marion and, and is still the team to beat. But Andrews is good enough 
to to win the lower state. Now, having said that, I don't know. I would bet money that none of the teams in the lower state are going to win the state championship in four and one and two a, because Abbeville's up there, Great Collegians up there, and Chesney's up there. One of those three teams is going to represent the upper state. I would guess Abbeville, um, and and those three teams. One of those three teams is going to win the state championship in two a. Right. Look at you knocking out, knocking out uh, what three different birds with that one stone. Abbeville, of course, is going to knock down Chesney. Is uh, as you heard David there talk about. They are one of the top three powerhouse teams in the elite final eight that are around in two A football. Great coach. It will be playing, uh, of course, uh, Christchurch, I believe. And uh, yeah, I, I think that you look at uh, a team like Great Collegiate in that heavyweight matchup in the upper state in the uh, semifinals, if you will, how, how do you kind of looking ahead possibly, do you think Collegiate's the best team or is it Abbeville? Oh, no, I, I would, I, I would say Abbeville is clearly the best team. That doesn't mean that they're going to win, but right. when you look at the way they operate, uh, you know, they lost to Saluda last year in the upper state finals and Saluda was really good. Um, but Abbeville was every bit as good as Saluda. I mean, the way that game ended, it could have easily been Abbeville in the final, winning a fifth straight title. But uh, this Abbeville team is really good. And, you know, it won't be a cakewalk against Chesney and Gray, but I think Gray will handle Christchurch pretty pretty convincingly. But Gray could throw it around a little bit, and they do some things offensively that could that could test Abbeville. But what Abbeville has done this year in their scheduling – is they scheduled some teams uh, that throw the ball around a lot. You know, usually up in that part of the state, everybody runs it, and Abbeville just loads the box, and they they just pound on you. Um, but they, they are capable of throwing the ball this year. They're going to live with that running game. That's that's Abbeville. And, but their defense has been tested by some passing offenses. So if they were to meet Gray, uh, you know, I think they'll be a little more prepared – than maybe they have been in the past when when they play all these running teams. But that's not to say Gray can't win it. But until somebody beats Abbeville, I'm going to pick Abbeville because I, I just uh, – they're, they're really good. Hey, they're located near the promised land. You look it up on the map and they can almost uh, walk to that place. Maybe that's where they're getting their water from before the games because, uh, again – yeah, they got the most loyal, loudest fans I've ever seen in high school football. I give them that. So we'll see how that works out. We are live right now, quickly wrapping it up with David Shelton with the Post and Courier. You can also hear him right here on Wednesday nights at 630. And then, of course, Bobby Harden throughout the week and Friday nights with the other legendary guy on the radio side of life, and that is Phil Cornblue. I had a chance to hang out with you guys, uh, made the final call, it looks like, this past Friday night. But love what you guys do, David. You know, before we talk one day, man, Tell me some of the energy, man, because it seems like there's so many different radio guys and TV guys. We all call in and check in. Now, how neat is that for our state to have a, a broadcast like that that Phil and you put together? Yeah, that, that, you know, it's it's something we started back in the 90s, and uh, it was very popular in the 90s before the Internet took over. I mean, our, our show from 10 to midnight was the most listened to show on Friday night, 10 to midnight in the state. Uh, we had we – had, uh, 40 affiliates uh, all over the state. We have the whole state covered. And then, you know, it, it, it's kind of, we, I think right now we have 20 something affiliates across the state and it's still well listened to, but we get coaches on, we get some of these reporters like Ian Guerin and Lou Bajak and Chris Deering and Jed Blackwell and 
these guys that cover games and they're, they're legends in our business in this state. The one thing about South Carolina, and I will say this, you know, for all of our faults, we, we have the best prep people, and I'm not including myself in this. I'm, in, I'm talking about the other guys. We have the best prep writers in America. I mean, guys really love doing high school sports. I mean, guys like Lou and Ian and Jed, you know, they're just, they're just unbelievably good. And, uh, and they love to promote kids. And that's what it's all about. I mean, we we are we are about giving the scores and and you know quoting the coaches, but it's all about the kids. We just want to give them what they what they deserve, the the props and and uh, and those three guys do it. And uh, and and Cornbrook's the same way. I, I mean, he's been doing this thing for 40 years, and we we started the show together back in the 90s, and um, and it's just a couple of years we didn't we weren't able to do it because of the fight back after the 2008 crash and you know finances were tough but we love doing it we love doing it and uh and it, it's a lot of fun to to get coaches on after wins and get reports from you guys um talk about games and and players and it's, it's it is a lot of fun yeah, it's one of the great ones, and of course, uh, I'm going to add you into that conversation, man. You are a legendary, and again, you're one of the guys that all I got to do is send you a text, and you may say, I'll try, and that usually means see you at 630 or see you whenever I need you, but I do appreciate you, man, because it's guys like you that make our show just that much better. Now, before we get you out of here, I do want to look at the 1A with Carver's Bay taking on Lakeview. Bamberg, got to love on Bamberg, and uh, of course, uh, Well Branch, that's that team in the lower part of the low country that's left over, and then you um, and you can also see, of course, on the upper state with Southside Christian taking on Blacksville Hilda and Lamar and Wagner Sally. What do you like about the Elite Eight and One A? I tell you, they're, 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 they're honestly they're the eight best teams. Um, I mean, if you look at it through the course of the season, these eight have been right there at the top the whole year, and, and I think it's going to make for some unbelievable football. Uh, you know, that small school football is fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I think Lakeview is probably better than Carver's Bay. Um, you know, that Whale Branch, um, Bamberg game, whew, man, you, that ain't for the faint of heart. There's going to be some defense and some popping in that game. That's going to be a very physical game. Um, and then you go to the upstate, you know, Southside Christian's kind of got everybody's eye as, as the favorite, but Blackwood Hilda, Lamar, uh, you know, Wagner Sally's capable of winning, you know, these big games. Um, so I, I really do believe, and it's not in every classification that you can say that, but in, in, in a, uh, those are the, those are the best teams and that's, that's what it ought to be like. And then, you know, next week, um, when it, we're in the lower and upper state finals, <laughs> there's going to be a couple of wars in that classification. Now, I did get a message just a minute ago from our buddy, Scott Durham. Of course, he is the head football coach for the Andrews Yellow Jackets. Listening in, Coach, thanks for the love. He said, I know I could count on Shelton because he said that Lou Bezak didn't show him any love on Monday night, man. So uh, just to let you know that yeah, you, you got a good guy out there listening to you. And he, thank you. For boy, <laughs> man, love. I love Scott, man. When Scott was a Goose Creek. He was just, he was great. And um, he's a hell of a baseball coach, too. And I've always respected him. And, um, I mean that's how that's how long I've been doing this. I covered him when he played, so uh, you know that 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 makes me really really damn old. 
I tell you what is an old man is talking football on Friday nights or any other night. Now, they did come out today, David, before we get you out of here, and the Commissioner Singleton released some information. Kind of talk about that meeting today. You could talk basketball. I know that was one of the things. But the one thing that we are covering tonight, of course, is the championship games coming up in a few weeks. But kind of in a nutshell, what all did we learn walking out of this uh, Zoom meeting uh, earlier this morning? Well, you know, they basically decided on the spring sports um, and when they're going to start and when they're going to start their schedule and how the championships are going to be played. Uh, They're going to go to the two teams in each region just like they did in the fall, um, which means, like in football, there are going to be some really good baseball teams not being in the playoffs. Uh, But but that's where we are, and that's the way it is. And and, um, they discussed uh, which games are going to be played in the state championship games. I think they're going to play 2A and 3A at Spring Valley. Um, on that Friday and Saturday, and they're going to play the 5A, 4A, and 1A at uh, Benedict. Uh, they still don't know the times of which games. They're going to set that by next week, I think. But um, but at least we know who's what classification is going to be playing where and when. And um, so, uh, you know, if Scott, if you're listening, you'll, you'll be playing at Spring Valley if you're in it. So uh, just to let you know. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they there's, there's – there's still a lot of basketball stuff going on that, you know, they're trying to get the scheduling worked out. They don't know where they're going to play these championship games, but it's probably going to be spread over like three days. They're not going to do it like, you know, all in two days. It'll probably be spread over three days. They're talking about the Florence Civic Center. Uh, I hope that's not where they go because that place is not a good place to watch basketball. But if that's what they end up, you know, for this year, that, you know, you've got to take what you can get. Hopefully, if they do use the Florence Civic Center, and I hope they're listening – Y'all need to get internet in that building so the writers can do their job. But uh, so if you know anybody, Richie, get them some get some internet. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on a few venues that we struggled to uh, to get, of course, some of that out there as well, man. As always, David, thank you so much for what you do. Give us a breakdown, man. What's the rest of the week look for you before you jump on that Friday night recap with our guy Phil Cornblue? Where are you going to be standing at come Friday night? I'll be at the Oceanside Camden game, and uh, right now I'm working on a bunch of skis and stuff. Their championships are this weekend, by the way. They're, they're all at Charleston Southern. Uh, 3A is on Friday night, and then the 2A and 1A are going to be on Saturday. First time Charleston Southern has ever hosted in a high school event there uh, or in bas- in football. Um, so uh, those championship games are kind of, you know, they take precedence. I'll be out there all day Saturday watching those two games. and uh, But Friday night I'm going to watch Camden and Oceanside. I, I think that's going to be fun. Well, we'll be down there with you, man. I may even throw you uh, an opportunity to catch up with us live on here as well, man, because we'll be down there doing a little pregame countdown to kickoff. David, thank you so much for everything, and I look forward to seeing you down on the sideline Friday night, buddy. Okay. Y'all take care. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, we're over a little bit. We appreciate the extra minute that we got there. A few with David Shelton. Again, the best in the business. He talked about a lot of writers doing a lot of great things. He is at the top of that list we are also past the top of the hour which means we got to take a quick break coming back when we do we will head up to the commissioner of the south carolina football association and that is jay williams we are coming up this weekend to their championship weekend of the 8 the 10 and the 12 it will be televised televised i believe is the word that we're hearing and i'll be bringing you that call from that side that'll be a lot of fun to put these young dudes and uh, some of the ladies as well on the big screen. All that and much more as we come at you in the next part of the broadcast in hour number two, guys. Don't go anywhere. 
say good afternoon, or should we say good evening? I'm Richie Altman, alongside Eugene Benton, and this is Southern Sports Central Wednesday night edition. We have a special Southern Sports Central coming to you on Friday, and that will be the kickoff to uh, or the countdown to kickoff on Friday afternoons, kicking off at six, going off the air at seven twenty-seven. That way that you can listen, watch, and be entertained by all of those guys that do what they do on Friday night. That will be, of course, uh, coming to you live from Johnson Hagen Stadium, where we'll be down at the game of the week for Southern Sports Central, where myself, Eugene, and a few of our closest friends will gather around the table, and we will have some conversation for about an hour and a half as uh, Oceanside will host Camden, the winner, advances, the loser, or those who fall short will check in their pads, along with 19 other teams in the state of South Carolina as we head then to this is week two, next week, week three, and, well, you do the rest of the math. You know, we did release this earlier today, and uh, I want to hit this because I don't know, Eugene. I'm going to bring you in. We're waiting on the commissioner. He's having some issues getting in, so hopefully we'll get him in here in just a minute. But that being said, you know, earlier today we, we got a pretty good source. You know, we're, we're known for that at times. We, we, we kick a can every once in a while, and it gets a little bit of uh, – good angles, if you will, but we did put on social media about seven hours ago that we heard from multiple sources that the Gamecocks will offer the job to Billy Napier. Now, sources have been solid going back several times. One of those same sources was the same one that we posted last week saying that, well, Will Muschamp was going to be released. Mike Bobo would be the new head coach. And again, when the guys write that big of a time, I'd say it's not fake news coach. Uh, so uh, I hate to kind of come at you there. And again, that's cool. You don't agree with us. Nobody said you had to agree with me. Nobody said you had to agree with Eugene, but Dan, I, I, come on, coach. You're better than that. I understand that you don't like rumors. You don't like this. That's fine. That's fine. But again, Eugene, I'm going to let you stand up on this one as well, because again, you know, we hear something and if it's got enough leverage and Eugene, you know me, I'll let you tell the listeners I don't put a lot of stuff up there, and I'm really big on not, but that one right there had a lot of conversation. And we all know Hugh Freeze, it's not that he can't coach. It's not that he's not at the top of my one or twos. But he is, by the way, he is unfortunately coming in with a lot of baggage. And you've heard Bobby Harden bringing that up. We've talked about it. And I don't have a problem forgiving him, but I'm not going to be writing this check, Eugene. All right, well, maybe Eugene's taking a, a minute to tweet out at somebody. But nevertheless, I do believe we are going to head over to the commissioner of the South Carolina Youth Football Association, Jay Williams. You with us, Jay? Yeah, I'm here, Rich. You have some technical difficulties, but I'm on, brother. Hey, man, the devil is a liar, my friend, and he will not let us be not great tonight. We are going to be amazingly great, and we're going to start off by welcoming you back in here. It's been a while, bro, since you and I have done this, and we're excited because, uh, man, what a great partnership Southern Sports Central and the South Carolina Youth Football Association has had. I, I've been with you guys. I think I missed week one because of the way the high school Friday night lights went. I weren't able to be at that game. But since then, man, we've been going strong, calling games of the week. We've been about five or six different venues. I mean, it has been quite an opportunity for us to set up that big day today so that we can have an even bigger day tomorrow when we talk about some of the things that you guys have done this year. And as we look at the championship with the eight, the 10 and the 12 coming up this weekend up at the woods. 
Man, it's been a tremendous year, and I appreciate everything that you and Southern Sports Central has done for Skyfield, the SCYFA, and the youth, man. Uh, just being to every venue that you promised to be to. Like you said, week one was a hiccup, but, hey, that's life. But you've been there every week since then. Support. the. I mean, it's been great. The kids look forward to you. Some of the coaches even look forward to Richie being at their games broadcasting. <laughs> Um, I know we were waiting for Eugene, but I, I didn't catch him at any games. I got to get my man Eugene out there to a game or two, man. He was supposed to be out there. I, I got to catch him out there. Hopefully he can make this Saturday. Eugene, you got us? We must be got him doing some side stuff. I'm not quite sure, but nevertheless, we'll get him in here just a little bit. But, uh, yeah, my goal is to set him up there with us at the uh, at the wood. I'm hoping Cyber will be out there. That would be a good opportunity for, you know, him and me and us and all of us to kind of do what we do. But before we talk about this Saturday, it's going to be a great day. You've got six different – you've got six different big games coming up, if you will. And uh, before we talk about that, let's let's look at the past. Let's look and see what it, we've done to get to where we're at. You know, it has been quite the interesting deal. You've got the SEC set up, and it's the East and the West. And, and again, you've done a great job by making sure that the Dorchester County teams are all in the same region and some of these other teams who have a little bit of history as well, being, of course, uh, you know, uh, North Charleston, right, uh, and that being the, the Raiders. And that big game that they had on Saturday is kind of elevant to what we're talking about here with, the course, uh, the Cobras and a few other teams in that side of the division but but how did everything in your opinion when you went through the regular season and then started setting up the playoffs I mean the regular season it was kind of rocky because we were still on eggshells every almost every week with this COVID situation you never know like did we have to cancel did we have to have this team sit out um did the outbreak occur? Did someone, you know, test positive? Um, but we were able to make it through, and that was a great thing. We were able to make it through a great season. Minor hiccups. If if we had a player or two test positive, um, it wasn't nothing that stopped the show. And that, that we were blessed for. On the playoffs, you were live there in action, brother, uh, for all the games, and it was nothing. Well, all SEC games. It was nothing but tremendous football last Saturday from start to finish. I mean, the start was an overtime game um, at Danny Jones, Low Country Golden Knights in North Charleston. And to finish up at Danny Jones that day was an overtime game. And, I mean, it was two great organizations going back and forth. And it was a good football play at Fort Dorchester as well. Not as close as competition-wise, scoreboard-wise at Fort Still great football that was played. And this weekend, I mean, if you don't have anything to do this Saturday, that's of an importance, be at Woodland High School in Dorchester to watch the best talent in the state of South Carolina come out because they will be there. From ages 12 to 6, the best talent we have in the state will be at Woodland this weekend. And I'm talking from Greenville to Spartanburg, Hell, we even got a team from Asheville, North Carolina coming down because they couldn't play football in North Carolina this year, so they joined our league. Um, it's going to be tremendous football. And if you miss out, you're missing out on something good. And on top of that, the last three games are actually going to be recorded live on YouTube 
on a live YouTube field feed. So for mom, dad, grandma, aunt, uncle, whoever can't make it, that feed will be available for you. Um, it will be posted the day of the game right before the start because you don't get a channel until you start going live with it for how it's set up. But it will be set up live. Everybody will be in attendance. Mass order will definitely be in effect. Please don't come without your mask. You're not getting in. Please don't come with the craziness. We're not dealing with it. Leave that at home and watch these young men play some great youth football come Saturday. We're live right now with the commissioner of the South Carolina Youth Football Association. That is Jay Williams. I'm Richie Allman alongside, of course, Eugene Benton. Eugene, we figured out your situation, so I'm going to let you take up for yourself if you even got a chance. I don't think you do, my friend. But before we do that, I do want to say, uh, of course, Joe Grammer is going to be the producer of uh, Pearl TV, who's partnered up with not only the South Carolina Youth Football Association, but as of course, Southern Sports Central. I'll be doing the game. I believe even Clinton Robinson is going to be up there with me. I think the guy that's getting ready to chime in, uh, Eugene Benton, will be joining us because he's going to get to put that mug on the TV screen. That could be scary. It should be pay-per-view if that's the case. But uh, <laughs> that being the case, uh, you know, it is a big day. And originally it started off by doing some other things, but the Lord kind of worked it the way I think it needed to be. And it's now – a, a day of champions, literally a day of champions, because the upstate's got to come down here to the lower part of the state. They're going to play it all the way through, like you mentioned, 6 to 12. And down here, of course, we've got the 8U, the 10U, and the 12U. Now, those three games will be on TV, and you're going to see Fort D taking on uh, the Raiders. You're going to see an 8U action, and 10U, it's Ashley Ridge taking on the Raiders. And then at 12U, Fort D taking on who? Yeah, the Raiders. So the Raiders uh, have done a great job. Coach Anton uh, has uh, really done a good job. You see uh, Gary Baird's on. He's got his guys representing, of course, uh, you know, our, our guy hanging out over there at the fort. And, uh, you know, he has done a great job as well. And he's got not one but two of his teams represented as well. Talk about the three directors of all three of these uh, teams that are represented on Saturday night. Great, tremendous guy. Um, Anton North Charleston, I mean, his his program should speak for itself. He's got three age groups in the lower state championship on Saturday. Uh, we did that at Woodland last year, but that's an uncommon feat. Like, that doesn't happen every year. So that speaks for itself, and he's been doing it for quite some time. Uh, Naz really with Fort Dorchester Patriots, first-year organization, and they got two teams in the lower state championship. Um, great guy. He he does a lot with the the youth, not only at Fort, but he has his hand in Satoma. So he's just not just about the travel, but about the development of each and every kid um, because he still has his hands in the direct league also. Um, great dude. And Gary Burson with Ashley Ridge, another straight-up guy. Glad to see his program ended. He's partnering with Shane Filler out there at Ashley Ridge. Uh, they're they're building it the right way over there as well. So I'm excited to have each and every program director that's in the championship game from the lower state in these games on Saturday. Um, wish I had a, a team participating. Can't even lie about it. But, hey, the better teams or 
playing in the game, and we got to get back to drawing. But next year, as the Woodland Youth Program to get better, and then with the Upstate, is just a, I mean, a tremendous amount of talent coming down as well, from Honk Arrington in Asheville to Bob Miller with the Upstate Titans, for Martel Lester with Columbia Knights Dutch Fort Youth Speeder Program. We have a team for Spartanburg coming down, Marion Holland with Spartanburg Gators. Um, I don't want to miss nobody, leaving nobody out. Marquise um, from Carolina Elite Panthers out of Lancaster. Um, it's going to be fireworks. Uh, Ryan Wilk from Rock Hill, Rock Hill Wildcats. So if you see, I, I've named about every area in the state that you can think of, whether it's right. lower state, upper state, PD. I mean, the works are coming out Saturday night. So. And here's the fun part about this, guys. When when you look at it, normally the scouting reports, uh, you know, kind of go out. But here's the cool part is that, you know, between uh, the commissioner of the South Carolina Youth Football Association, Jay Williams, who's also on the staff over at Woodland, and we're going to talk about that one before we get him out of here and how he's connected high schools to the youth. And it literally is the pipeline to our Friday Night Lights that we always talk about here on Southern Sports Central. But it's Coach Cyber who is all about welcoming in people to see his Taj Mahal or his, his field of dreams, if you will, because it's the AstroTurf, it's the bleachers, it's the Jumbotron. It's all going to be on over there in Woodland or at the backyard, if you will. And it will be down Highway 78 if you're coming from Charleston. If you're coming down 26, you know where to find us. We'll be there. And all the teams that win on Saturday will play another team that will win on Saturday because it's the lower state and the upper state. They're just not playing against each other until the following week. And that game actually is held up in uh, Columbia a week from this Saturday. So, I mean, you really put something together by the help of the good Lord above, man, by, Hey, let me tell you everybody this. He did something. And you talk about a guy who coaches a team. He sat his own team out to make sure that the champions from the upstate can come down to the lower state and actually finish their season because they didn't have fields up there. So what he did is he put the bowl games, some extra games, to give these kids a little another opportunity and a fundraising opportunity. He said, you know what, now is not the time. And even he had to tell his own parents, look, we're not playing anymore. If we wanted to play, we should have won last week. It didn't happen. No worries. But we got to make sure that we get these guys in so that we can continue the rest of the season that we all made a pledge to do as long as everything went good, Jay. So I, I, I salute you for doing the right thing and bringing in, man, I mean – so many games that they mean everything. Again, coaches will be there at the uh, early part that are going to be playing at the late night games. And the guys that play early, I'm sure, stay behind to watch and scout out for the late evenings because that's the teams that they'll play in the following week, right? Yeah, of course. Um, and we try to do the schedule this weekend as far as accommodating teams that have to travel not only to Woodland, but back from Woodland after their games and then the teams that are already down here. So we gave them the earlier games. Like, you're here already. You don't have that much of a travel. But, uh, yeah, like you said, my team was ready for – my teams were ready for their bowl game for the betterment of the league because it's not all about me or it's not about any one individual. It's all about this league and all about every kid that participated in this league. We did have to – cancel our bowl games. Uh, I know they're not too happy about that, but like you said, if they wanted to be playing um, Saturday, could have won last week. Um, (laughs) So we're going to do better at that. And um, just one thing, it's not really a correction, but just to let you know of 
the championship is more than likely not going to be in Columbia next week unless we can find another facility. It will oh. more than likely back, be back down here in the low country. Um, well, we can have my man Richie Altman in the house. Hopefully Eugene will be there since we can get uh, we get him out this week. We can get him out next weekend as well. And um it more than likely will be back down here just because uh the the field usage like Danny right. Jones has basically been the home of uh the SEC, you know, this year. Whenever we have an issue, those guys in the city of North Charleston have been great as far as as long as we handle the proper protocols, letting us use those fields. So worst-case scenario, we'll be at Danny Jones. But if we're able to get Woodland again for the championship weekend next week, we'll be back at the Woods. Um, but we'll just see how that play out. I know the, the C word that we're not allowed to use on Southern Soul Sports Central. It has mm-hmm. begun to spike back up. So uh, things have started to change with that. But worst-case scenario, we'll be at Danny Jones if we can't make it work. Now, before I, I give that plug to Danny Jones and, and Eugene, get your mic ready and get your voice ready because I'm coming to you after this. But the cool part about this whole league, and definitely down here in the low country uh, and across the state, right, they've connected these youth programs to high school. For example, when you watch Fort Dorchester play, they look just like the Patriots on Friday night. When you watch Ashley Ridge play, same thing as Coach Fiddler's team. Or if you look over there at Somerville, they've got the wave on the side, but they've got the jerseys down the sideline. That looks a lot like uh, all the guys over at Somerville with, of course, the athletic director over there, Brian Rutherford, and, uh, and their head coach that I know supports this thing from head to toe. But that doesn't mean that you can't look at the Raiders and tell that, man, it looks like because they play like they're part of that Raiders organization out of Vegas. Coach Anton's got those cats looking sharp. They will be ready to play. It will be a great game. And, Eugene, I've sent you the invitation to show up on Saturday. We're even going to put you in a and maybe a tie and a suit to put you on the sideline to run around and talk a little football with us and get that chance. And then how about this? You didn't know this, Kamish, but uh, Danny Jones is literally uh, like a block from his house. So we're literally bringing the game to you, Eugene, because you're not coming to the games. That sounds pretty exciting. It's the first Saturday that I don't have to be in Charlotte or Columbia, and I don't know how long, or, or Sunday. So uh, definitely looking forward to that um, Sunday. I, I, uh, let's see, Sunday I am in Charlotte this weekend. So uh, this is definitely the very first Saturday I've had off, so I'm definitely looking forward to uh, getting out there. And, yeah, Danny Jones, I was actually out there out there this afternoon working with a kid from Hanahan, uh, Stratford, and um, – and Bishop England and talked to some of the guys out the field. There was uh, one of the guys that runs it. He was locking up the field house and, and walking over the field. You know, he always comes over to say hello, and we always, you know, thank him for leaving the lights on for a few extra minutes for us and letting us get some work in. But definitely looking forward to Saturday and getting out there and uh, seeing these young guys play. I've gotten to see them play, kind of uh, snuck over there. As you said, it's about a block away from my house. And seeing some of the games, um, definitely I've seen the Raiders play a couple times. Um, uh, and the team from uh, – they practice over there. Uh, trying to think of it. It's in the College Park area. can't remember the name. Um, they're coached by a guy named Brian. I do know him. Anyway, but um, definitely looking oh, forward to that man on Quiet. Saturday. Oh, Strap. Yeah, that's, that's Strafford's team. Yeah, Strafford's team. Right, right, right. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was joking with him. I said it's the first time I've ever seen him coach a team that the mascot wasn't the North Carolina Tar Heels. That's all he does. <laughs> yeah. 
from the from from t-ball all the way up to um to youth league football his teams have always been uh the Tar Heels so it was the first time I saw when I saw him I said man I don't know what you did or who made you change your uniforms this year but they look good yeah Brian's a really great guy yeah that's he's running that scrapper program and he's trying his best to get that over the ground and you know, running, and he'll get him up there. Uh, he's a great guy. He's been doing this a while in the youth, so um, I got nothing but confidence that he'll get that going. Talking about confidence, how about the coach of the year? You mentioned Strafford. Let's give it some love to Coach Denny McDaniel. He is the coach of the year in the Region 7-5. That dog went in and beat Somerville to open the season. He knocked out, of course, uh, Goose Creek. I mean, the guy continues – to just do what he does, and uh, it, it's quite an impressive deal when it comes down to. And I think Eugene didn't he have another? He had another big win. I know he beat. Did he beat Wando as well? Was it Wando, Goose Creek, and Somerville? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I'll have to pull up their record, but they did have some of those good wins. And obviously, you know, the the big time win. Unfortunately, they didn't make the playoffs. But that big time win um, and bringing the Golden Goose home. I talked to Matt. Uh, his player that I was working with today and said they did, they made every effort to get one of those bowl games. Um, but, you know, a lot of teams just either wasn't willing to play or uh, the any team that kind of fell inside the line of uh, Charleston County uh, was told they couldn't play any of those type games. So, unfortunately, they weren't able to get that extra game scheduled. I'll tell you what, I'm not sure we might have lost the commissioner. I know he was having some issues. Uh, Jay, you with us over there? Yeah, I'm here, brother. I had to switch phones. Okay. All right, now you're good. You're good. I got you, man. So, um, other than that, man, kind of give us the breakdown as uh, we kind of wrap this one up, man. And, uh, of course, um, what time the gates open, what's the cost to get in? We know you got to bring your mask because they're going to be food. Kind of paint the picture for us. Okay, so gates open at 9 a.m. Games start at 10. First game will be North Charleston Raiders 8U. Against Fort Dorp, Chester Patriots, 8U. It's going to be a great game. Possession will be wide open. Basically, anything you can think of will be on the menu. My mom will be manning the concession stand um, from fried fish to barbecue, uh, hot dogs, hamburger, drink, whatever you can think of. She will have. Uh, we're going to have uh, a golf cart waiting on Eugene to escort him wherever he needs to go because we, we're just happy to have him in attendance. <laughs> I just want some of that fried fish. <laughs> oh, you just want some fried fish? All right. We'll have a, a plate of fried fish waiting on you in the golf cart. Um, yeah. Right, uh, one more question. I got I got one more question. Do I need to bring my own hot sauce? <laughs> With COVID, yes, sir. If you, if you don't want to <laughs> deal with the little packets yourself, bring your own bottle. But we will have the packets that you have to rip through. But you know what? You know, ain't no bottle sharing out there. Not this time. <laughs> Fair enough. Eugene, you realize if you don't show up, there's a group of people you don't want to lie to, and one of them's on this phone right now with us here uh, calling in on this show tonight, man. I got to tell you, ooh-wee if you don't show up, man. I'm just going to go grab popcorn after the game, and we're going to come see you on Sunday. All right, man. No, but Eugene's my guy. I, I have nothing but respect for Eugene. Love him to death. Now, one thing he do, I do need him to do for me is reach out to that uh, 
Carlton County area that he's from, so we can get them in the league next year. We definitely need them a part of this. Uh, they're missing out on something special. They they definitely need to be a part of this if we can get them in. Uh, I know he doesn't necessarily call the shots, but if he can just connect me with the right people so I can sit down and talk to him so we can get them involved. I mean, it's growing. It's big. I think this Saturday is going to be the biggest step ever for this league to for everybody to see the collection of talent that we have in the state in one facility is going to be huge. Now, Jay, real quick before we cut you loose, brother, and again, we appreciate the love. We appreciate the opportunity to do what we've done. You and I have seen each other, it seems like, uh, since about what? Now, August, we, we've hung out every Saturday night, and even some of those midnight mass games that you've put together at the uh, 8 o'clock hour, I don't mind it. I enjoy it. <laughs> but that being said, um, what what are the three games are we going to put on uh, over there with, of course, um, our guy, Mr. Joe Grammer, Pearl TV, and Southern Sports Central on uh, on Saturday? And what's the first game, and, and how what's the time frame as far as that goes? Okay, so the first game that we'll put on will be at 4 p.m., the 10U North Charleston Raiders against the 10U Somerville Swamp Foxes. The second game will be the two undefeated teams, the 12U Rock Hill Wildcats against the 12U Upstate Titans from Greenville. And the last game will be the 12U North Charleston Raiders against the 12U Fort Dorchester Patriots. So you get a, a mix of both upper state and lower state lives. Um, the last game is the big rivalry game, the the battle of the north. They're right in each other's backyard, even though they're coming to Woodland. Um, but it's going to be a matchup to see. Um, you were at the first one, brother, and mm. this one I don't think is going to be anything less, if not more. No, I totally agree with you 110%. As always, uh Jay, I look forward to not only this coming week, and uh, you did us all a solid by bringing the championship game uh, of the entire SEC because you are the commissioner of the uh, SEC part of the South Carolina Youth Football Association, but you brought the entire league, look like the champion down here to uh, the state of South Carolina. We're excited. Can't wait for it. And, again, I will see you here in about, what, three days down on the field. At, I'm going to get there about 830, so I'll see you. Bright and early Saturday morning, buddy. All right, brother. I hope Eugene's with you there. Eugene, you going to be there all day? <laughs> I got you, man. I'll, I'll do what I can to live stream my game. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm just messing okay. with you. Eugene, whenever you get there, it's all love, man. I'll just be happy to, you know, meet you in person and see you. Uh, I hope you oh, come out. man. We're going to have have a great time. Well, buddy, we appreciate you, and as always, we'll catch you around the field. And it is, by the way, the SEC Championship on Saturday. Woodland High School is the location, Highway 78, but they did a solid. They brought the entire day of champions around the state of South Carolina from 6 to 12, and everything in between will be jam-packed in a sandwich mode on Saturday right here on Southern Sports Central, Pearl TV, and so many more opportunities coming out out of this, guys. Enjoy the rest of the evening, Jay. I'll catch up with you out there, buddy. All right, brother. Y'all take care. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, we're a little behind, so we're going to move this thing a little bit quicker. It is time to bring in a man who has joined us before, and like no other time, we are so excited to bring in Kevin Noon with BuckeyeGrove.com. He's part of the Rivals 
Network. And that being said, let's give them an introduction. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Hey, welcome everybody. I'm Rich Yaldman alongside Eugene Benton. I want to thank the commissioner for the South Carolina Youth Football Association. Of course, that is Jay Williams. And now, without further ado, we bring in Kevin Noon, the publishing manager and editor for BuckeyeGrove.com, part of the Rivals and you, Yahoo Sports team as well. Kev, what's going on, big guy? Hey, not much. Thanks for having me on the show. Man, it's been a minute, man. I feel bad. I feel guilty. I feel like we did something wrong because we didn't reach out to you. And then I thought, wait a minute. You guys didn't start playing football over there in the Big Ten until a couple weeks ago, so we're kind of right on schedule, right? Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten is four weeks in. They're going into week five. Ohio State didn't have a game last week as uh, Maryland called off the game, and uh, Ohio State ended up with a no contest there. So instead of an eight-game regular season schedule, they'll play seven. This week they have uh, Indiana at home, and that's proving to be one of the biggest games of the Big Ten is this is really a separation Saturday in the conference with uh, that game in the East, and in the West you have Wisconsin and Northwestern playing, and you know, while, while you know, we're only halfway through the season or whatnot, it may be premature to say that these are the games of the season in the conference, but the truth of the matter is they, these are the games of the season in the Big Ten Conference. This is, these are going to be the games that are going to go a long way to deciding who's going to play in Indianapolis. And, you know, in, in, at least in Ohio State's case, if, you know, if Ohio State gets through this game and they're a 20-point favorite, but if they do that, I mean, you know, they're still well on their path to getting back into the uh, college football playoff. Now, you know, a story of two different tales. One team, Indiana, is playing a little bit more than basketball this year, and I saw them ranked in the top 25 and moving up the ranks in a fast motion. It's a team that, well, you cover, but I don't know how much you're getting to cover this year, and that is Michigan. Holy moly, is it just disastrous over there on that side of the other border, if you will, that goes uh, in the rival team for the Buckeyes. Uh, what's happening in Michigan, man? Is it adios amigos for their head football coach? Well, I you know, I, I don't think that if you're Michigan, you can run Jim Harbaugh out, but I guarantee you the boosters are getting sick and tired of it. I can guarantee you Jim Harbaugh's getting sick and tired of it. So I could see a parting of the ways at the end of the season. You know, they're going to be NFL jobs out there. Jim Harbaugh to the Jets, maybe? I don't know. Uh, but I, don't, I, I would be mildly surprised to see him coaching the Wolverines in 2021 at this point. But if you're Michigan, what do you do? Who, who do you go for? I mean, if you can't take a favorite son and, you know, a guy with a track record and do something there, is Matt Campbell from Iowa State going to be your guy? I mean, is that, is that going to be the situation? People are mentioning Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, but the truth of the matter is Luke Fickle was an All-American at Ohio State, and – yeah, I would I would have a hard time turning down like nine million dollars a year is there, but I'm a greedy sob. So you know what, you pay me and I'll, you know I'll plunge a knife in your back. I you know I want I just show me the money, but uh, you know I, I don't know what they're going. You know I don't know what they're going to do. So uh, you know it's it's a lot of problems up there in Michigan, and it's not going to get any better. Is they're sitting at what uh, one and three, and you know I think they're going to be lucky to get to three wins this season. No, and you're exactly right. The other team on the upside, Northwestern, you talked about that game and, of course, what they've been doing at 4-0 and sitting where they are in their 
looking pretty good whether they're on the road or at, at home as they're 2-0 and either way. But how about Penn State? James Franklin, 0-4 overall, over 4 just in general. This is another team that I thought, again, had a lot of things going on, but it's not been the season for uh, the Nittany Lions and the team that likes to finish off with we are because we are at the bottom right now in, of course, that side of the uh, Big Ten. Well, here's the issue. You take Noah, or you take uh, Micah Parsons off that team, and he easily would have been the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. So you take him off. You take two running backs off. You, you lose Journey Brown before the start of the season. Noah Kane gets hurt in the first series of the first game. You lose him. That's not taking anything away from Devin Ford, but you, you go from a position of strength at running back, and now it becomes a position of, oh, my God, what are we going to do? It's Devin Ford and a couple of true freshmen behind him. Sean Clifford really has regressed at quarterback, and you know Penn State has been a team that has built its legacy on defense, and the back, the back seven for Penn State just has not played very well. And again, as I said, you, you take Micah Parsons out of the mix, that makes the linebacker position that much weaker. Uh, Jesse Luquette is a, is a tremendous player, but he can't do it himself. And the Penn State secondary is just not performing. So you can't run the ball and you can't stop the pass. You're not going to win. Hanging out right now with Kevin Noon, publishing managing editor for BuckeyeGrove.com, part of the Rivals and the, uh, well, Yahoo Sports Networks. He does a great job, and he's always been a big guy here on Southern Sports Central whenever we've needed him to get in here and chime in. But the team that you do uh, cover a little bit closer is, of course, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, the one team and the only team I know I can walk into any store and anywhere and yell out, OH, and you guarantee it, somebody's going to yell out, I O. I think it's a crazy thing, but it's tradition and it's best. What do you think about these guys? Are they the elite inside not only the Big Ten, but is this the best season that we've all thought they would have this year coming in 2020? Well, you know, it's you know I understand we're halfway through the season and we should have all these grand proclamations about what this is and what that is, but you know. Truthfully, if we were playing a 12-game season, Ohio State would not have a league game under its belt, and we wouldn't really know what was happening or anything. But, uh, you know, I think you sit there and you look at what Justin Fields is doing, and Justin Fields is having such a special year. He's accounted for as many touchdowns, 11, as he has incompletions on the year. He is just, you know, such an accurate passer. They haven't really had to unleash him as a runner. I think you save that for when you get maybe to a Big Ten championship game, certainly college football playoff, if that that makes itself available to Ohio State. Uh, You know, the Buckeyes certainly have – I could could point out some weaknesses. And, you know, I think at that point you you use that term loosely because you're looking at a team that's in the top ten nationally in terms of scoring offense. They're doing pretty well in terms of scoring defense. I think everything is working out pretty well for them. You'd like to see the linebacker play a little bit better. You'd like to see the run game on offense better, but they're still rushing for 208 a game. But when you lose a 2,000-yard rusher like J.K. Dobbins, you certainly are not going to shine the way you do. But at some point, you have to remember and account for what Justin Fields is doing. There are only so many yards you're going to have in a game, and if, if he's doing it by just throwing the ball around, and it's not necessarily the same way it was done under Dwayne Haskins, where they were just they were just pass, pass, pass. But Justin Fields is going to take some of that opportunity away from other aspects of the offense. But you know, I think this is definitely a team that's proven that they are you know a top three team nationally, and it would take a a major collapse for them not to get into the college football playoff. 
Eugene, I'm going to bring you in real quick, brother. I know you had some things that you would like to talk to Kevin about. Uh, Eugene, what's on your mind, bud? Yeah, Kevin, I just uh, I know I uh, was talking to some guys that, that uh, are tied to the program at Ohio State and from the state of Ohio. Uh, I know there's some big-time um, high school football, uh, I'm assuming it's playoff games, uh, going on, and uh, there's a, a couple of big programs, uh, kind of the, the year-in, year-out, kind of state title favorite there in Columbus. Um, are, are you guys watching uh, some of the games and kind of give us, I, I guess, the skinny on some of these uh, big-time high school games going on in Ohio? I was going to say that the the ultimate, you know, joke about all this stuff is I'm actually doing this show sitting in Salem, Virginia, of all places right now. We're out covering uh, Maryland, Virginia, and North Carolina over the next couple of days. But I have some guys who are in Central Ohio. Uh, Division One has already crowned its state championship with uh, Cincinnati St. Xavier beating Pickerington Central, but all the other classifications will will crown their champions. I mean, you, you still have guys in the playoffs like Reed Carrico, the linebacker out of Ironton, Ohio. Uh, you know, a lot of talented guys out there. But, yeah, we certainly will be keeping tabs on that. My goal is to get back into Columbus by Friday night and be able to, 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 to finish up some write-ups on what's going on. Now, as far as uh, Ohio State, like every other school, uh, you can't host those in-state or, or those on-campus visits and things like that. Uh, how's recruiting going for, for Ohio State right now? Well, according to the Rivals.com rankings, they're sitting number two in the team rankings, and they're not that far behind Alabama. This was a class that, you know, looked like it could have been, like, the best in 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 the Rivals.com era, which goes back to 2002. Uh, you know, they – they took they took a bit of a hit when they had a, a major decommitment on the defensive line, and you know they're hunting a lot of big names right now, guys that are not going to decide until first week of January, or maybe not until the February signing period. So we're going to see. I mean, they're chasing a pair of talented players out of the state of Washington. They're still chasing Tristan Lee, the offensive lineman out of uh, Northern Virginia, uh, who we had an opportunity to speak to this week over at BuckeyeGrove.com. So. There's still some big names, and there's still time for a December surprise as well. I mean, you know, uh, Urban Meyer was always good for a, de- a December surprise, and, and Ryan Day has only just picked up the baton in terms of recruiting and maybe even advanced it a little bit, if you can believe that, over Urban Meyer. So, you know, I think there's still a lot of room for them to be able to come up and, and maybe challenge Alabama. And, you know, you, you still wait to see teams like UGA and Clemson to see what, what their classes are going to look like at the end. And then, then in 2022, they're already sitting with half a dozen commits at this point, and they really could be on the cusp of, a, of an epic recruiting run. There's some guys that are really linked to being part of the class who haven't announced yet. Um, that, that dam could break at any point. So uh, is Ohio State kind of in a – it seems to me they're, they're much like the Clemsons and Alabamas, you know, where uh, you take the top guys, at, you know, they offer probably every five-star in the country because they recruit nationally. Um, is it a plug-and-play system now uh, in recruiting? Is it just, you know, or, or do they coaches take the approach of, you know, this year we look a little light on this position – or is it much like uh, the NFL system where, you know, hey, there's a five-star guy or, you know, there's too many guys at this position this year that just have the talent. They're, they're uh, you know, sign them and we'll find a spot for them on the field. Well, there certainly are going to be guys that you sit there and you approach in that way that it's like, well, we got to figure out how to get this guy in the class. But you can't 
with the way that recruiting works, you can't necessarily do a best available athlete on the board type of situation. You know, if you if you end up with your numbers being way out of whack, that's when you sit there and you realize you don't have any offensive tackles in terms of two cycles. So you have to be very careful with that. Um, you know, Ohio State doesn't necessarily spray all the five stars, or at least the five stars as as rivals, or maybe another network may put it out there because they may have they they certainly have their own evaluation of how these kids are going to look and 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 whatnot. And you know, there are going to be guys that you you do have to sit there and see how it's going to affect the numbers, if the guy is going to be a good teammate, if he's going to be a good locker room guy. And, you know, and I'm not speaking about anybody in particular because that's not fair, but, you know, there certainly are going to be guys that it's like, well, why haven't they gotten involved in, on, on this guy? And maybe for one reason or another that he doesn't fit the numbers or he doesn't fit the mold or whatnot. And, you know, we, we see teams every year lose their locker room because maybe they, they just sit there and go out, as we call in the industry, go out star hunting and are more concerned about recruiting stars than worrying about how, how their team's going to come together. And the culture at Ohio State has been really good just year in and year out, and I think that's been part of the reason why you've never really seen Ohio State run into prolonged troubles. Yeah, I was actually on a visit um, there in June for a rival kicking camp there in Columbus, and my son actually is interested in the Ohio State engineering program, so it was my first time being on campus, and you know we didn't get to go into the, the facility. Uh, we were hoping to get someone in there, um, but uh, I will ask a question. I know there's a, a, a young man and his father listening from the Low Country here uh, in Mount Pleasant. Uh, he's a he's a specialist. He's ranked number 26 in the country, and uh, you know he's always been hoping to play for the Buckeyes. What would be the best opportunity for him to, I guess, to be seen? Uh, outside of coming to a camp, should you know, we, we cross our fingers and and pray that they're going to have these camps up in June. Yeah, exactly. And I and I wish I had a I had some sort of way to future cast what's going to happen in terms of how the country's going to be open or not be open or whatnot. Because I really don't know at this point. You know, one thing I will say in particular about Ohio State is that they are kind of recycling their specialists in terms of kicker punter right now. They just brought in Jake Seibert this year, a true freshman. Who'll be handling? Uh, who, who'll be handling the place kicking? And then they, they're bringing in a uh, an Australian rules former Australian rules football player Jesse Murko, who is already technically enrolled right now. You know he's in that mold of that 24 year old Australian player who comes in here to into the state. So I mean he he can go buy beer for the team if he needs to for for certainly. But you know in terms of doing stuff, you know I'm not out to you know necessarily promote other services or whatnot. But I know that. Uh, you know, that there's like the Chris Saylor kicking camps and things like that. I know that I know Chris Rubio does some things like that. I know that there are certain things when it comes to specialists, because the truth of the matter is, is that it, it's such a difficult, those are such difficult positions to project that you really need to use Cole's kicking camp and things like that, because they only work with kickers. They only work with punters and they kind of understand that. And I have a good friend that was a fraternity brother of mine. And the, and his son went through the recruiting process, and that's the exact same advice that I gave my my fraternity brothers. You utilize those services. You know, there's one specifically for each of the specialist positions between kicker, punter, long snapper, uh, because that's going to be the best way to get that exposure. And that's what uh, he's been doing. He's been traveling on the road, like I said, with the Colts. He's uh, been all over the country with those guys, and now working with a private trainer, former NFL guy, and Dan Orner. That's uh, you know, uh, send a lot of guys not only in the, uh, college ranks but in NFL. So 
we're, you know, we, he had set up to go in camp last June. Obviously, that got canceled. Uh, so we just went up and, and kind of walked around campus because I had never seen it. And my son, like I said, was interested in going to college up there with him. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful campus. And for anybody that's never been there, for it to be, what is it, uh, the number two or three or whatever size population campus in the country, something like that with Texas and Central Florida? Yeah, it, 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 it's it's down to like three or four or something. It used to be one, and they um, they really tightened it up. And let's just put it this way. I couldn't get into Ohio State today. Basically, when I got in there, it was a lot easier. But these days, it, it's a lot more selective. And once they tighten some things up, their, uh, their overall general student population fell. And, you know, that was I think that was by design, but it's still – it's still a monstrosity in, in terms of just when you put roll in all the grad programs and whatnot. It's it's it, it's huge and it's it's it, it's crazy to sit there and think that it's in a city, really Columbus, Ohio. When you put all the suburbs involved, as a city of a million people or whatnot, you've got this fifty thousand plus student university on top of it. it. You know, it's there's a lot happening. We'll just say that. Well, Richie's a food guy, so. Uh... I'm going to ask you for your recommendation. Uh, I know when we were there, uh, my, my buddy Casey, like I said, he's an Ohio State alum. We did the Skyline and, and, and a bunch of those things. Uh, what would you recommend for Richie if we ever got up there for a game? There is a place in German Village that is called the Thurman Cafe, and they have a burger called the Therminator. And basically their burgers to begin with are three-quarter pound patties. Well, they do the Arnold Schwarzenegger Fitness Classic in Columbus, Ohio, and they created this Terminator burger because all of the weightlifters would come in and want to load up before before the events, and they would take the original Thurman burger, which was a monstrosity, and then add a bacon cheeseburger to it. So you're at a pound and a half of burger patties, plus everything in the garden in terms of toppings. The thing looks like a like a darn Dagwood sandwich. It's crazy, but that would be something I would recommend in terms of something that is strictly Columbus, Ohio. You can only get there. I mean, I can give you all of the the steak places and the chicken places and everything else, but Thurman Cafe is a place that I definitely take people to when they come to visit. Yeah. And uh, so you said you're heading back in on Friday. Now, um, for, for game days and things like that, are, are you guys able to uh, – cover the games there live um, or, or in person due to the COVID or is it kind of like uh, you have to kind of watch it like the rest of us? Um, we do get one credential down from the four that we normally do. They are doing the press box at about 20% capacity and the goal in the sake of fairness is really not to load up on any one outlet getting two, three, four seats as everybody else is trying to get one. So this is going to be the first game since the 2006 season that I will not be in attendance at. I'm sending one of my guys to cover this game because there are only four of them. And I said, I'll take two and I'll give him two. And at the start of the season, I didn't think the Indiana game was going to be worth a whole hell of a lot. And, you know, lo and behold, I was wrong, but uh, I will be, I will be watching this game from my sofa and it will be a very strange set of circumstances i can promise you that and that's actually a good lead-in that's what i want to talk about next is uh you know no one expected indiana to come in at uh their five and oh ohio state's four and oh because you didn't get that game uh you know to see them rank this high i mean i'm sure you guys have already covered it and there's probably been writers that's done the research uh i don't know that if i'm 43 years old that i've been alive at a time where 
uh, Indiana and Ohio State both ranked, you know, in the top ten uh, going into a matchup like this. So uh, what are you looking for? Uh, what do you expect on Saturday? I believe the last time Indiana was in the top ten was like 1969. Uh, Indiana has not beaten Ohio State since the late 80s when Earl Bruce was there. Uh, Indiana has not played Ohio State inside of 14 points since 1993. Um, you know, Ohio State certainly has owned this series. Um, it's going to be interesting because, and I'm actually going to be writing a real in-depth Indiana preview tonight to air on Buckeye Grove tomorrow. Um, it's going to be called Tale of the Tape for anybody who wants to check it out. So I still have some of my notes kind of percolating in my mind, so I don't have everything put together, but Indiana really starts and stops with what Michael Penix, their quarterback, is able to do. And the last two times that Ohio State played Indiana, Penix was on the team, but he was injured for both of the games. And Ohio State actually went against Peyton Ramsey, who now is the starting quarterback at Northwestern. Uh, Penix has had a pretty solid season, but if I'm an Indiana fan, I'm concerned about the fact that Indiana can't run the ball consistently. They don't have a game where they run for more than 118 yards. Not a person, as a team, 118 yards. Stevie Scott is a good back. He does have a game where he has three touchdowns. He does have a game where he has two touchdowns. But it's not like he's rushed for much more than 50 yards in most of these games. So Indiana may be very one-dimensional. And let's not forget that in that Penn State game that they won in in improbable circumstances against uh, Penn State in overtime, Indiana wasn't exactly sharp, but they're getting better as each week goes on. And it used to really be a situation of Peyton Hendershot, their tight end, and Wap Fillier, their talented wide receiver, were the two major weapons. But now you look at a guy like Ty Freifogel, who just is coming off of an 11-reception, 200-yard game in, in the last game against Michigan State. But I think Richie, you and me could feel the team that could beat Michigan State, if we're being honest with ourselves. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, kind of the, it's kind of the situation. And just to kind of speed it up on the other side of the ball, Indiana is a team that turns teams over by way of the interception. I think they have 10 on the season. Justin Fields in his Ohio State career has thrown three picks, none of them this season, three of them last year, two of them against Clemson. So, uh, you know, he is very careful with the ball. I don't necessarily see Indiana being able to really get those short fields by way of interception because I just don't think that Justin Fields is going to throw a lot of contested balls because the Ohio State receivers are so good at their route running and Ohio State has such a, a solid offensive game plan. They're not going to necessarily have to, to do a lot of 50-50 balls. Well, big guy, I certainly appreciate your time. Thank you for – I know you're on the road traveling to squeeze us in. Um, you know, I, we have such a huge uh, Ohio State fan base here in the area, especially in Charleston. Uh, a good buddy of mine, he's a doctor. He uh, uh, did his medical school and training up at Ohio State. He's actually a um, kidney transplant doctor and owns several uh, pubs throughout the state. Uh, he's actually the host of the Ohio State Buckeye Club uh, around the way. So if you're ever down in Myrtle Beach or Rock Hill or Charleston, man, uh, we'll definitely treat you to a Ohio State joint unless you want to see something else and, you know, want to put the work aside for a little bit. But uh, I, I know they're all big fans, and they were excited when they heard you were coming on tonight. So we definitely appreciate it. Uh, we'll let you uh, get back to doing what you're doing. I know you said you got to get an article out tonight. Uh, we'll definitely hit it up on uh, – either late tonight or in the morning and um, put it out there for the guys to see. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. I was in Morell's Inlet just uh, 
couple months ago and ran into a lot of Ohio State fans there. To anybody who's an Ohio State fan listening, be sure to check out Buckeye Grove. We're running a tremendous promo right now with uh, promo code Nike75. You get your first year at $75, which is 25 bucks off, plus you get a gift code for $75 of free Nike gear. So once again, Nike75 is the promo code. Grab it while it lasts. It's, gonna, it's not going to last long. Well, I got Kevin, you. I the name of the club for sure. Yep, the name of the pubs are the Brass Tap. So if you're ever in Charlotte, uh, Rock Hill, or like I said, it's actually in the lower part of Myrtle Beach, uh, close to the Myrtle's Inlet. Uh, stop in and check them out. You'll see a lot of you'll you'll feel right at home with all the OH all over the walls. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. I do want to make sure that we thank you, man. I know you uh, you're a busy man. It's been a while. It's been too long. Next time you're in Myrtle's Inlet, my friend, you know the drill, man. I'm down here in Charleston. That's home to me, is Myrtle Beach, man. So you were in my backyard and didn't even know, but. Uh, I will. I will. I I got ta- I got talked into buying to doing three days, two nights at one of the Hilton timeshare presentations or whatever. So I'm going to be doing that at some point in 2021, and I'll I'll shoot you a DM and say I'm in town. You owe me some beer, son. I got you, brother. It's all on us, man. Appreciate you, man. Much love. Be safe. Safe travels. And thanks for all that you do. When we're asleep, you're putting out all that uh, five star publication, my friend. Absolutely. All right, guys, there you go. We are at the top of the hour. And that, of course, is a young man that does it better than anybody. And I got to tell you something. He's been a very loyal friend of ours here on Southern Sports Central. That is Kevin Noon. You can find him over at BuckeyeGrove.com. Eugene, I know you reached out to him. Uh, what was it, yesterday, day before yesterday? You were like, man, I got this guy. I said, okay, who's this guy? You were like, this guy named Kevin Noon. And I thought, wait a minute. We know Kevin. Big Kev's cool. I like the guy. He's going to come in. He's going to talk not only about the Buckeyes, but he'll cover the entire Big Ten. And that's what he's done for us here on Southern Sports Central for the last about four or five years. But because of this WWE, right, style season that we got, Royal Rumble, if you will, where different conferences are coming at different times of the year, you know, it makes it a little bit different, right? But one thing isn't different, and that is uh, the Buckeyes. They're at the top of the charts along with Indiana, Northwestern, I mean, it is uh, Wisconsin, right? That is the top four over there in that region. The question is for me, and we got to go because it's top of the hour, what's going on with James Franklin? Somebody sent me a text the other day. It was yesterday. And he said, what about James Franklin in South Carolina? I said, man, look, he ain't winning at Penn State right now. I don't think anybody's having any conversations with James Franklin right now. And, of course, uh, you talk Michigan. Ooh-wee. Wow. And I got to say something to this. You think they can find somebody else, but it's kind of like this. And Eugene and I said this. There ain't a whole lot of opportunities and options out here. So be mindful when you have a season, you know, that may not go your way. But, again, we'll talk more about that out of this break because it is time for hour three. And when we come back, we're heading to Celebrity Square with celebrity guest picker Art Craig with the Hanahan Hawks. He is the head football coach and tonight. Oh, tonight he's part of the crew, going to do what you do for one solid hour. We're going to pick the winners, or at least our thoughts, who's going to win in one, two, and three classifications in the South Carolina high school football playoffs week number two. Don't go anywhere. It's Southern Sports Central, hour three, next.
nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons. I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men. And it's just beautiful. Welcome back, everybody. Rich Young alongside Eugene Benton as we bring him in in style with the Stone Cold theme. And all I can see is this coach with a football in one hand and a fishing rod in the other. And that is our celebrity guest picker tonight, Coach Art Craig. Coach, welcome back to Southern Sports Central. Well, thank you. I mean, I appreciate it. But when you put the word celebrity and Art Craig together, that doesn't <laughs> match. So, I mean, you need to come up come with a little something different than that. I can promise you that. Hey, buddy, I tell you what, I spent some time up in Timberland, man. I still think they believe that you invented some special things around the world. So, depends who you ask and the questions that you get on the answer. <laughs> right. I get you. So, Coach, uh, before we talk a lot about uh, some of these picks, uh, first of all, congratulations. You got first year under your belt. A lot of great things. Holy moly. You got a running back over there running for the Hawks. He's running in style, but you got – a lot of other dudes doing big things as you guys uh, made it to the playoffs. I don't know who you upset up there at the high school league to pick uh, Dylan in round one, but you did. You played on Saturday, one of the only games on, in and around the state of South Carolina, but you, you played a good game. You got a lot of things to bring back and uh, to work for here in the off season, if there is going to be our normal off season, Coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that dog on Dylan, if it wasn't for them, I might have six or seven state championships myself right now. Um, but, um, you know, now nah, Dylan, Dylan has a tremendous team. And, um, you know, we our kids, I thought, uh, did a great job this year. I think uh, we did some things that I didn't think we could do. And, um, you know, I mean, Dylan is Dylan, and we had opportunities earlier. And that's the thing about it, you know, when you're playing people like, like Dylan, when you don't take advantage of opportunities and you give them opportunities, um, you're just not gonna, you know, you're not gonna win that game. But you know, our freshman running back, you know, Kayvon Riviere, I mean, he had 17 carries for 200 yards. And um, I think that I told somebody today or yesterday, I said I've played Dylan 10 times. I don't think I've had anybody rush for 200 yards total. Um, so I think he's gonna be a special player. And you know, I, I think people like Ty Buffalo, uh, Alex Harriet, uh, Andrew Stewart. Um, 
all these guys are seniors, and I got a lot of special seniors and, um, you know, Brandon Smith more, but those guys played both ways, you know, where, um, you know, in 3A ball, you're not used to having offensive and defensive linemen having to play both ways. So I, I'm just proud of I'm proud of those guys, and I think my staff and our, um, you know, uh, administration, community, they've been great. I, I definitely made the right choice for coming over here, and I'm, I'm really excited. We're live right now with the head football coach over there at Hanahan High School. Of course, getting in and wrapping up year one. He had to face not only a few good teams, but the word COVID came to the conversation as soon as he took the job. Of course, that is the head coach, Art Craig, gets into the playoffs, finished second in the region, played a really good game and a good team over there at Johnson Haygood Stadium in, in, in Oceanside. Coach, it just seems like you guys just continue to follow one another, and that, of course, is you and Oceanside, Coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, uh, was it Misery Loves Company or Company Loves Misery, however it goes. But, I mean, you know, like I said, um, you know, Oceanside, again, I, I think Joe Call did a tremendous job, uh, with, has done and still is doing a tremendous job with uh, Oceanside. And, you know, that game over there at Johnson Haygood Stadium, it was such a great atmosphere for our kids. And, you know, we're up 7-3 going to fourth quarter, and we and – we, um, you know, we got tired, and um, and again, like I said, you know, good teams do what they're supposed to do at the end, and, and Joe's team, you know, took advantage. It was 10-7 about three minutes to go, and I had to go for them on five-yard line just to try to do something. They scored the end, but no, I, I'm proud of our kids, man, but um, I'm just, uh, I was glad to get, you know, a season in football because we, we didn't think we were going to get it, and I think um, I think the lower state, especially Buckley County and Tools did a tremendous job of, of giving us the 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 things that we need to do to, be, to have a chance to be successful. So it, I, I had a blast, man. I really did. Now, coach, how many years do I have? Seventeen comes to mind. Am I in, am I in the ballpark? How many years you've been coaching? As far as the head, as coach, a head coach, yes, sir. As a head coach, no, sir. This is year twenty three. Twenty three. All right, Michael Jordan number. Or you can go LeBron James and, on this uh, one. I, I wish. Anything that I said associated with Michael Jordan's number, but um, but yeah, it's 23. I mean, I've been um, I was you know assistant for this is my this is my 34th year in the system and education system, so um, I'm definitely blessed to be there. <laughs> now, in all the 23 years, a couple of things that that we saw this year a, a smaller version of the playoffs, which I think. To some would like it, some don't. For guys like you and me and Eugene, we, we like this because it kind of weeds out 32 and gets you down to 16. And, again, it gets everybody can win on that first round. But then they put a lot more emphasis on winning your region and, and how important it was to be in the top two. Again, emphasis on doing it the right way and that every game counts. As we tell our athletes that, we were told that as athletes, Coach. Between that and having 13 teams in – and 10 knocked out in the opening round of week one on the Friday 13th, 2020. Have you ever seen anything like this in high school football in your 23 years? Well, I mean, not in, that, not in those 23 years, but, you know, when I came through, um, uh, you know, high school here in, in South Carolina, because I played at Buford High School up in Lancaster. Heck, my freshman year, we were 8-2, and, and we didn't make the playoffs um, wow. because only the top two went. So that's the way it was for a long time. You know, only the top two win, and um, and I, I think you know when you're playing, people got to understand when, you, when you're playing ones versus twos, there's no you don't get to have a bad game, you don't get to get redos. I mean, because in most regions in this state, 
you know, ones and twos are divided by a touchdown or less. And so, I mean, I think it's good. Um, you know, I think uh, – I don't know what they'll do next year. Uh, but, um, it, it, you know, like for us, I mean, you know, we lost to Oceanside. You know, we played Bishop England. And, and um, you know, if, if us and Bishop England didn't get good at playoffs, they were a pretty good football team. So, it makes it tough on them. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. Now, here's how tonight's going to work. And, uh, you know, last uh, this past show was Monday. We had the principal in-house from uh, a guy that I know that you – I believe you know this guy pretty well over there at uh, Berkeley, of course, uh, joined us. And he got to do the uh, celebrity part, and that is uh, Coach Steele, now the principal still to a lot of those younger guys over there. But he got to do the five and the four. I'm going to bring you into the one and three. And uh, well, what I'll do is I'll talk the game, and then I'll mention you, and then I'll go to Eugene, Coach. So, uh, let's start with, hey, well, of course, I, I uh, what's that? I promise you this. If you need me to, I'll pick the 5 and 4 eight, two, because I promise you he don't know what he's talking about. You know what? I'm going to let you <laughs> in on that, because we got about 50 minutes here. So, you got your wish here, that's for sure. <laughs> Eugene, just, you heard it. So we're going to pull that up for a coach, and we'll let him give us his picks in 5 and 4. So, let's start in 1. Let's go with uh, Carver's Bay. And Lakeview, Coach, your thoughts on uh, a matchup between two of these teams? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, the thing that you've got to understand, anybody anybody in the lower state, you know, that knows anything about 1A football, the word Lakeview and Carver's Bay is synonymous with each other. And the thing is, um, you know, Lakeview's a, Lakeview's a region champion from 5A. You know, they're undefeated. And, you know, Carver's Bay is the 4A region champion. They're 6-1. and one, And, um, you know, Carver's Bay is the home team, you know, and, it, and then I went and looked at some stuff online, you know, a lot, you know, the, I guess the power rankings, you know, they're picking Lake uh, Lakeview Lake to, to beat Carver's Bay, but, um, I, I mean, I've, I've played in both places, and, and you know, Carver's Bay is not, not an easy place to uh, play, you know, last week, they defeated uh, Badger Field 33-8, and, um, you know, Lakeview defeated Allendale Fairfax 26-6, but I think the difference in this one's going to be is I think um, Lakeview. I went look. They've scored over 40 points four times this year, and um, I just don't know that um, that Carver Bay, Carver's Bay will be able to slow Lakeview down. I mean, you know, Lakeview is not but about 10 miles from Dillon, so I kind of understand what, where everybody's coming from on that. All right, Eugene. He's got Lakeview, buddy. Who you got on this matchup? Easily going with the Wild Gators of Lakeview as well. I think their defense is special. They got a couple uh, DBs. Not saying that Carver's Bay is a team that's wanting to chunk it around 50 times a game, but the DBs are very physical and they're going to come up and play in the run game as well. Uh, I know there's a guy on the phone that always likes to run the ball 100 times a game and then pop you deep on three uh, three straight touchdowns on pat on the three only pass plays, but. Uh, you know, I really think that um, Lakeview, just like he said, they, they do have a good enough offense to score, uh, put up some good points, and they do have uh, a couple of the dogs on defense this year. So I'm going with the Wild Gators. I, I like both your picks, guys. I like Lakeview, and it was hard because I almost felt like I owe Carver's Bay because, uh, well, they embarrassed me by beating uh, the team I picked, Baptist Hill, and I went with my heart on that one. So this one I'm going to go with some knowledge. And to me, you mentioned the coach, their connection and their closeness to a place called Dillon. Well, Dylan can't get them all, and who they don't get falls over there at Lakeview. I think Lakeview wins this right. one as as well, Coach. Now, we look at this game, and, and, and this one, 
I think you've got some knowledge on this one, which, by the way, congratulations on your homework, man. I'm impressed already early. As uh, Van Berg <laughs> took out C.E. Murray, Coach Smitty, we should get him in here next week with us, too, because, uh, you know, he's got some time to burn. Now, Van Berg will play Well Branch, who beat Johnsonville. I wasn't surprised about Well Branch beating Johnsonville, but I am impressed with and curious your thoughts on can Well Branch keep it going and beat a very good, disciplined Bamberg team? Well, I mean, you know, we played Bamberg in the playoffs last year. You know, Bamberg was 2A, um, and uh, we won. But, but you know, uh, they were, you know, they were they were pretty physical last year. So, it, I mean, the thing you got to understand about Bamberg, too, now, they beat Seymour last week 26-20, um, but they've scored 226 points this year. They've only given up 28 points all year long on defense, and – and they beat Barnwell, and they're eight and zero, and they've got six shutouts. I mean, so, but then you look at Well Branch, who we played a couple of years ago in the playoffs, and I saw last year on film. They're as physical as anybody, you know, you could see. I mean, they're both eight and zero. They're both region champs. You know, Bamberg's the home team. You know, yeah, Well Branch defeated Johnsonville fifty-two twelve last week. They've got four shutouts. They beat Battery Creek, who's a three eighteen. Um, and they've scored over 50 points four times this year. So, um, I mean, you know, I, I spent 10 years at Blackwell, and it's hard to to um, pick against Bamberg. But I would not be surprised if Well Branch comes out and takes this. I think they may be. I think they're going to be able to score more points than Bamberg did because I, I don't know that Bamberg can throw it around enough to do that. Hmm. So you're going to go? Is that Well Branch is your choice, coach? Yeah, and I know I'm going to catch some flack, but, um, I mean, Bamberg's a home team, and I've got a hard place to play, but I'm telling you, man, Well Branch will will thump you too. So I'm going to go with a little upset here, and I'm going to pick Well Branch. All right, Eugene, follow it up. I'm I'm sticking with Coach Crosby on the defense and uh, over at Bamberg, and, you know, I I did my homework too, and I know that uh, Coach Smitty uh, did a great job. Uh, Again, we got ones and twos playing. And he scored 20 points, and that was the first point scored since the first quarter of the first game against Bamberg. I think, uh, you know, Coach Crosley is probably not happy with giving up 20 points last week on defense. And um, I think he's uh, going to tighten it down a little bit this week and be ready for Well Branch. I think Bamberg wins it in a close one. Coach, what were you saying? No, I was trying to – I was talking to my roommate over here. I said I might have made a mistake picking after after hearing him talk. I might have made a mistake picking. But you know, I just read my thing. I said, dude, you just picked. It. I told him I said, Self, you just picked against a team that has six shutouts. But you know that's the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> you did. You told me six shutouts, and I'm buying them all of a sudden. And then I said, you went left field and pull out Well Branch well, out of your pocket, man. I was like, okay, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. But I think you've got something, Coach, because I keep talking to people, and they say, well, Branch is a team that kind of flies where you want to fly, under a radar. They're not a, a bad team at all. Of course, they're in the Elite Eight of 1A football, so they did what they could against not a, probably the best of the Johnsonville teams they put on a football field in the years of the past. But I, I'm, I'm, I want to go well, Branch, but I, my heart has beat me before, man. It always beats me. So I'm going to go Bamberg because of you, Coach. Who told me that they had how many shutouts? I'm mean, like, how can you go against uh-huh. their legendary coaches on the sideline and Coach Crosby? I can go Coach Crosby in the shutout and on the win, Coach. Well, I don't blame you on that either. 
<laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, you're a good salesman. That's that's, that's all it's about there. Now, Coach, <laughs> we look at the uh, 1A, and let's go to the upstate. It is Southside Christian. They beat C.A. Johnson. They will play Blackville Hilda after beating Whitmire. Now, what do you think about uh, the Southside Christian boys taking on Blackville Hilda? Well, you know, I spent 10 years at Blackville Hilda in the first the first receiver I ever got to coach was Troy Brown. So, um, um, but you know, um, you know, both both teams are region champions. Both teams are undefeated. Um, you know, last week Southside defeated CA um, Johnson fifty to six. Blackwell beat uh, Whitmire thirty one nothing. Um, and and uh, you know, the thing about Blackwell, I'm gonna tell you this is. You know, they beat Barnwell this year, and I know Dwayne's doing a heck of a job and still in the playoff. But I know we knew when we were at Blackwell, anytime we beat Barnwell, we had a chance to win a state championship. And, um, you know, the thing about it, I, I think that um, the only thing I think is going to hurt Blackwell is they're going to have to go all the way up to Southside Christian. And um, as, as hard as it's going to be, I'm going to pick Southside on this. All right. How about it, Eugene? I'm going Southside as well. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that Southside had moved down from 2A last year. They, you know, had had a puncher's chance of winning that upper state, you know, until the quarterback got hurt. They're actually a team that scored 50-something points. I believe it was 52 points and had beaten Saluda last year and played Saluda uh, closer in the rematch or almost as – actually it's almost as close as uh, the Abbeville game where Saluda, you know, beat Abbeville, goes on to win the state title ball, beating Barnwell. Uh, well, the quarter, they, they go back to the same well. They have a very tall, uh, athletic quarterback at Southside. They can throw. They can run. Uh, this year, they're playing better defense. And, I mean, you know, it's kind of like a thing where you go from 2A to 1A. They still have a lot of the same dudes on the roster. Uh, and, and right now, they have a healthy quarterback. So, that's why I'm sticking with uh, Southside. Yeah, I think we got a clean sweep, yep. guys. I'll your entire breakdown, Eugene, of what it's like to go from 2A to 1A. You didn't probably lose any athletes at all. You just uh, got an opportunity to play in a different classification. Uh, the quarterback breakdown, I think, is going to play big dividends. And a fan from Southside Christian just sent me a direct message on, uh, what was it, on Saturday or maybe it was Sunday and said, let me do you a favor, pick us this week, you can thank me later. So I'm going to go with that individual, and I'm going to pick Southside Christian. Now, who will they play, Coach, as we come back to you? Coach Art Craig, our celebrity guest picker tonight, as we are still in 1A, wrapping it up, is Lamar and a Wagner-Sally team. Who gets to represent the Final Four on this side, Coach? Well, again, um, you know, you got two region champions, you know, Wagner-Sally, who, you know, being a Blackwell, they're, you know, Wagner Sally's the runner up out of out of Blackwell's region. And then you got Lamar, you know, um they're the two A, you know, region champs there. You know, Wagner Sally defeated McCormick last week, forty eight thirty eight. Um but their only loss this year has been the Blackwell. And then, you know, Lamar defeated Wilson Elko forty eight twelve. Uh it's kind of like a toss up both team like like uh you know, Lamar scored three hundred and seven points this year, Wagner Sally two ninety eight. Wagner Sally gives up 191 points. You know, um, Lamar 150-something. But the, the, here's going to be the deciding factor. If you've never played at Lamar, you don't know what it's like to play at Lamar. And Lamar's going to win this game. Wow. Go ahead, Eugene. I'm agreeing with Coach, man, that Lamar is a special place. 
I mean, if you are driving to Lamora, I think you probably lose your bearings. You're probably not even sure if you're still in the state of South Carolina. So I get them on that with, uh, you know, the travel up there. I've seen those cats, and, I mean, you know, it's an interesting place to play. Uh, you know, it almost feels like you're going into a dark hole. And uh, But I agree, and I'm going to go with Lamar. I think they're very balanced this year. Um, you know, and the team they're playing is as well. So I think it's going to be a, a toss-up, really. Uh, but I'll take the home team, considering uh, those confines aren't too friendly to get there and too, not too friendly to play. Yeah, first of all, Coach, I'm, I am impressed. And, and we got to talk to Coach Steele on Friday night because I know he'll be at the game uh, over there at Oceanside because, uh, man, you have brought your A game, and you can tell you're definitely a head coach. It sounds like you've broken down more game film than maybe some other coaches that are playing this weekend. That's awesome. I love it, man. You've given me every reason to believe that Lamar is the team to beat, though, because of, they do keep it close. And when it's close, you got to go with the home team. Friday night lights is really special in one, two, and three, especially in four and five, but it still, Coach, has that small-town feeling in 1A football like you remember back in the day when we were playing the game. And so with that, I think the hometown crowd, I think everything about Lamar makes it what it's going to be, and I think they end up winning that game. And that will wrap up our 1A bracket. Now we go to 2A, Coach, and I know there's a Coach in Andrews that's listening to you right now because he wants to hear your thoughts of his Yellow Jackets after they beat Sherrall. Now, of course, they'll pay – a team out of uh, Pillion as they beat Philip Simmons. Coach, give me the breakdown. Yep. Andrew, Yellow Jackets, and Pillion. Well, you know, the thing about it is with both these teams, you know, you got Scott Durham and, and Andrews. And and um, i tell you what, the job that Dan Holland has done at Pillion um, is – I mean, you got to think now, they beat Barnes this year. They beat Wade Hampton. And I don't know if anybody ever thought that would happen at Pillion. Um you know, Andrew's the region runner-up. Pian's the region champions. Um, you know, but, but Pian also has wins, like I said, over Wade Hampton and Barnwell. Um, uh, you know, Andrew's had to cancel two games before their last playoff game, and they still beat Shawal 36-6. And um, so I, as much as I hate to pick against them, i got to go with Andrew's on this. All right. Here we go, Eugene. What you got, boss? I'm taking Andrews as well. I'm 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 gonna ride with uh, Coach Scott. Uh, I know he'll have the quarterback certainly ready to play as well. They got a good offense. You know, I think they can score quick and they can also play keep away. Uh, Pillion just didn't. It, it you know, like you said, it's a great job the coach has done. That went over Philip Simmons and, and maybe Coach Craig can tell us a little bit about that. But it just didn't as impress me as much. Uh, and as a matter of fact, that actually you know they sent some of that film uh, to several refs in the league, it may not have ended uh, fairly, and that's questionable. I don't know because I, I wasn't there. I've seen it on, on a, whether a kid stepped out of the bounds, whether there's time left on the clock. But a 14-12 to 12 matchup over Phillip Simmons just doesn't impress me when you're at home, uh, much, much unlike Andrews uh, whipping Sherrall the way they did on the road. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with my guy. Of course, that is uh, Coach Scott Durham. Eli, of course, the quarterback, lives with the head coach. Uh, coach, you know a little bit about that. When it comes down to it, uh, they've also put a ton of guys on the region team. Andrews is home. Like you mentioned, they went on the road and won at Sherrall. Pillion did not impress me, neither against a team that's only been around for just a few years. Not to knock Phillip Simmons, but a team like Pillion should have, I thought, had a better spread than this. So I think – Scott Durham gets it. 
And you heard, of course, earlier tonight, it was uh, David Shelton thinks that he has a chance to make it a good run for the state. So I'll say that Andrews is uh, going to get the clean sweep here tonight. Now we look at the lower part of this one there, Coach, is uh, Barnwell took out Woodland. Now, the cool part about this, for you guys that are finding out who is our celebrity guest picker, he spent a lot of time in this same classification in 2A, and that, of course, he knows these guys probably better than most of us, if not all of us. So when you hear Barnwell, you hear Marion, what is your thoughts on these two teams, Coach? Well, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of athletes on that field, I can promise you that, you know, and, um, you know, Marion's the region champion, you know, uh, five and one. Um, uh, I so man, but you know, Barnwell's had a atypical year for them. You know, Barnwell knocked us out of the playoffs the last two years, and I think last year they graduated about three fourths of their team. So um, Dwayne Garrett does as good a job as preparing his team as anybody in the state does. Um, you know, don't let a four and three record um, fool you, um, because um, you know Dwayne uh, Barnwell's going to win this game. And I know Marion's the home team, but Ball was going to win this game. All right, Eugene. Ooh, that one's tough. Um, you know, Marion's got a very special me. player. Me, you. Uh, you know, I, I want to go with Marion and, and the um, – they have a very special player uh, and, and tight end defensive end. they got a very good defensive line. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go Marion in this game. Wow. Look at that. Eugene going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go with you, Coach, and go with, of course, some others who we've talked about this game. And while I think Marion's got a lot of dogs all over the field, I watched Barnwell. I get that a lot of guys graduated last year. But to me, there's just something special in the water over there. And if I'm not mistaken, it's at home at Barnwell. And the last time I was there, I saw Oceanside. It didn't go so well for the Land Sharks. And it looked like old school Friday Night Lights. And I get you can't crowd them in. Well, you're not supposed to, but I got a feeling it's going to be a packed house. It'll be a loud crowd, and anytime that happens, I think Barnwell gets the win. We'll go that way not, with that selection. The game, the game's at Marion. It is at Marion, so it's on the road. Okay. Well, I'm still going to stick with it. Nevertheless, I just hope well, Barnwell here's with the, here's the thing you need to understand, though, that Marion does, doesn't right. mean that that Barnwell won't have more people there than Marion will. I can promise you that. <laughs> Very true, Coach. Well played. Very true. Let, let me ask you this, and I think we can kind of ease this one in pretty quick and easy. The Big A, down the road from the word promised land, on the map of South Carolina, will be playing Chesney. Any chance in the world, Coach, that Chesney finds a way to take down Abbeville or Abbeville just keep doing what Abbeville does on a Friday night, man. Well, you know that's that's gonna be. Uh, let me tell you, man. I mean, here's what here's the thing is. All right, here's what's so scary about Abbeville. All right, they beat Batesburg, leads for fifty six nothing. Their defense has only given up twenty one points this year, and it was to Christ School out of North Carolina. They wow. have seven shutouts. Their offense has scored four hundred fifteen points against two A competition. So. So far in 2A, the average score for Abbeville versus opponents is 55 to nothing. So, guess who my pick is? Oh, I mean, you going to Big A. <laughs> He's going to Big A like we all are. <laughs> what makes it bad? Casney, though, their only loss has been to Woodruff. I mean, you know, and so, and it was tied, you know, they lost to Woodruff 49 28, 
but it was 21-21 at halftime. I think if if Chesney was playing, maybe anybody else, but Abbeville's just on a different level, man. Yeah, I agree with you. Eugene, I think we can kind of go ahead and swipe that box to the right and pick the big A in Abbeville to take on. Uh, we will see either Great Collegiate or Christ Church. Coach, uh, back to you. Your, your thoughts, the Great Collegiate's one of those other big powerhouse teams in 2A football. They did that by being the only team that knocked out uh, Oceans out a few weeks ago in a great matchup, by the way. I think it went to some free football. That being said, uh, they got to beat Christ Church on Friday night to uh, move on. Who do you got? I mean, you know, Greg Collegiate's eight and zero, the region champs. Um, they defeated St. Joe's forty-two fourteen. I mean, I went and looked at their some of their stuff. I mean, they, you know, the thing that's what you wouldn't think about one of like a a Greg Collegiate or Oceanside or Legion. They run their average rushing per game is they average two hundred eighty-seven yards a game rushing. Now, you know, and so to me, that's just going to defeat anything at Christchurch. Uh, has tried to do, and I think I think Gray Collegiate. After watching them beat Oceanside, I think they'll run away with this one. All right, Eugene. Yeah, I think uh, Casey Adams is still running away with that game. I think he had 275 uh, the week before they beat Newberry. I think it was uh, 35 to nothing or something like that, and he had uh, close to 300 yards and five touchdowns in that game. I mean, this kid. He's going to be a high-level D1 product, I believe. I mean, he seems to be a very intelligent young man. I've never heard of there been any, you know, other issues off the off the field or whatnot. And he is so special and fun to watch, um, unless he's running the ball 80 yards the other way. Um, Christchurch, I think, has surprised a lot of people this year. Um, but I think Gray, you know, last year Gray handed the ball off to him and he got some yards. But you know, a lot of everything kind of went around Omar. Uh, O.D. Dullison and, and, of course, um, Hunter Helms. This year they are big up front. They're bigger this year on uh, especially the defensive line than they were last year. It's almost like they uh, got a whole new crop of uh, much bigger dudes. So I'm, I'm going with Gray in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with you guys. I, you know, watching some of the highlights that we saw when they came down here, they took that road trip down I-26 to Johnson Agut Stadium. They played a very good game. I would say head-to-toe in a coach that's of course, uh, got a lot of connections. That was kind of like the Gamecock Bowl, if you will, because of all the coaches that got connections to the Gamecocks when they played Oceanside. But it was great collegiate. They walked out with the win, and uh, they will continue that drive. As not only do they knock out and do what they did last week, I think this week they kind of continue that trend in winning. And uh, that mega matchup next week between them and the Big A will be one that we'll all be talking about going into next week. Now, let's change up to the 3A as we'll carry the bus up another notch. And we'll start in the upstate. We'll work our way down to the lower state because, uh, well, of course, uh, Coach, you coached in the same exact uh, <laughs> region or division, if you will, though. So you know a lot about these young men as well. Now, Wren was a team interesting enough, Coach, that I watched them last year beat Myrtle Beach because they were in 4A. Now, that, co- that quarterback is gone and a few other big dogs are out of there. But the same coach who I – really and automatically had a ton of respect for him and his wife, by the way, that both graduated from this school to win their first ever, I believe, championship at Wren High School. But here they are now with a chance to uh, win one in 3A. Why not? And they will play a team like Woodruff. Coach, your thoughts on Wren and Woodruff in 3A in the upstate? Well, I mean, you know, we played Woodruff in the 2011 state championship game one. And, and Woodruff, so, I mean, man, you call out a proud – um, town and love their football. But here's the thing about it is, 
It, Rams' last four regular season games, they scored 52, 56, 64, and 55. Okay? Their only loss is to Daniel, you know. So, you know, you got to think in the four and the three upper state, you know, all four teams are from the same two regions. And, um, you know, Woodruff knocked off Palmetto last week. Their only loss is to Chapman, who's in the other region. Um you know, and I know a lot. I mean, a lot of people are picking Randall. I think run away with this, but the thing that you got to understand is both teams on defense have given up over twenty points six times, and so um, I think that the kill the kicker here is going to be the fact that Rand's playing at home, and uh, so I'm gonna go with Rand. All right, Eugene, what you got, bud? Yeah, I agree with them. I'm going with Brand. I, I, I like what they've done on offense. You know, the the coaches leave some of the coaches and take over another program in the upstate, uh, and trying to get Spartanburg kind of righted the ship. And uh, but you know, it, the it's almost like a program now, uh, much like uh, Burns was back in the day. Um, you know, you look at this game, and I looked at the loss. Now, the Daniel team they lost to, they lost 30 to 10. You say, well, they lost by 20 points. Yes, but Daniel has been. You know, their defense hasn't given up anything, and they've been scoring at will and just pounding away. We know who Daniels, you know, they got the the safeties coach from Clemson. He's a, the safety on that team. Uh, the head coach and the assistant coaches and all their kids played at Dan, at uh, Daniel. I mean, they're a well-coached team. That's the only blemish on Wren's resume. I'll take Wren in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go Wren as well. A, they're at home. They give up, like you mentioned, Coach, and that's good homework. I tell you, you have done – the best so far out of all the guys we brought in here. No knock to the other guys. I don't want Coach Steele hitting me up in a minute with text message. But, man, you're bringing in numbers and stats like a boss. But that being said, I'm going to go Wren as well. I, I think that they just they, – it's a special team, man. And Wren plays differently to me, guys, in, in the postseason. I watched them last year. Got a gap, they got better every week. And then when I went in there, it was a heck of a show. For a guy that uh, Joe, uh, was a Joe Owens who uh, went in there, and, and not only did he hit a record during that game, but he didn't care that Myrtle Beach had, you know, Mr. Football over there that was going to the University of South Carolina. He didn't care that J.J. Jones that was probably going to be hanging out at a Power 5 school and about 20 other dudes. And then Ryan Berger, who stepped up, by the way, for Luke Doty, who was out, did as good if not, you know, I, I got to be honest, I thought he did a great job, but it was not their night. It was Wren's night, and I think on Friday night that continues as uh, they will look at the Final Four. Now, my question is, Coach, you look at Chapman, you look at Daniel, man, this one, a defending champ going against, honestly, could be the new champ because Daniel, like you heard Eugene saying, we've been saying this on the radio broadcast since the beginning of the season, heck, even last season. This is like the pre-Clemson team, if you will. This is every kid that's ever, you know, their dad does something at the university over there at Clemson. Their kids are playing at Daniel, Coach. What do you like in this matchup? Tell you right now, if this game was next weekend, I would drive up there because of of uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I would love to see this game personally because I think that um, you know you got two region championships. You got Chapman who you know got a new coach this year and they they hadn't missed a beat. Um, you know Daniel, you know defeated Chester last week, sixty two to thirty. I mean Daniel averages four hundred ninety two yards a game on offense. They have scored over fifty points five times this year and scored over sixty points three times. Um, you know, and then you got Chapman who has scored, you know, over over forty points numerous times. 
And both teams by Max Press were ranked one and two, with Chapman being ranked ahead of them because of a harder schedule. I mean, you know, you know, Chapman's playing at home. Um, you know, and it's hard. I think on, on any other year um, where you could have as many people in a stadium as you wanted to, I would probably pick Chapman. I'm going to go with Daniel on this one. Wow, look at that. They're going against the grain a little bit, Coach. I love it. How about you, uh, Eugene? I'm joining him in the Daniel run. Uh, now, I know I looked at the schedule, and I, I saw you know, the closest game Chapman's had all year was that 24-8 game that they won at home against Clinton. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, they scored a bunch. You know, they they scored 311 points this year and only given up 86 points. Um, I You know, I, I, I just think Daniel has really, you know, and, and that by the way, that Clinton game was early on in the year. They're, they've given up 26 and 24 points to Union and Broom. Broom is not very good. Uh, we know – some players on that and had to, you know, Broom had, didn't get to play many games this year. Um, right. But, you know, to give up 24 points to those guys, uh, that tells me enough. I'll stick with Daniel and that defense. Um, and just, I just feel like they're, they're really good. They're coached up well. Uh, this seems to be kind of the, their year to get it done. Yeah, I think if Calisardo was back over there as a quarterback for that other team, I think they would be okay. Now, it's hard to, to not crown the, you know, until you beat the man, you got to keep praising the man, but I think the man will be Daniel. He will be, uh, you know, he will be the big dog uh, coming into this matchup. I think they find a way to win. They've got a lot of kids that it's just in their genes, literally in their genes on how to win big games like this When I got Daniel winning this one uh, when it's all said and done. So it will be Wren and Daniel going to be a good matchup in the upstate. But now we go to the lower state and let's stay down at Dillon and Gilbert. Now you guys uh, saw Dillon last week. You see Gilbert from time to time. Your thoughts on the matchup between a Gilbert and a Dillon, Coach? Yeah, I mean, you know, we played Gilbert a couple of years ago in the playoffs and had a really good game with them and came away with a win. Um, unfortunately for me against Dillon, I'm 1-10 against them. Um, but, um, you know, Gilbert defeated Lake City last week, 48-12. Um, you, know, you know, Gilbert scored 311 points and gave up 116. Um, you know, but um, you know they they Gilbert. I mean Chad Leopard coaches as hard and as good as any anybody I've seen. And then the thing about Dylan that's uh, frustrating, um, you know, is that they're not as good defensively as they've been in the past. Um, but I'm going to tell you firsthand. I, I've seen a lot of Dylan football teams. Um, they're as deep and as talented offensively. Is any Dylan team I've ever seen, and the thing about them is they'll score. I, I bet you if you go into we charted, they had they've had twenty scores this year of three plays or less, and um, you know they they they've scored over fifty points in five straight games. Um, now their defense have given up given up twenty points five times, um, and they they busted our behind fifty seven to twenty now, and um, but. I'm going to tell you, I just don't know that Gilbert can slow Dylan down. I'm going to pick Dylan. Even though Gilbert's the home team, I'm going to pick right. Dylan in this. All right, Eugene, talk to us, buddy. <laughs> I, I will probably never, ever pick against Nemo unless it's uh, Coach Joe Call or Coach Art Craig playing against them again. Uh, I had a, a guy, you know, that I trained one of your guys, and I talked to him before, uh, before and after the game. And uh, I told him, I said, man, if you kick that ball to Nemo, 
I'm I'm firing you as a as a kicker. I'll never no. train you again. <laughs> we kicked it. That, you know, we kicked it out of bounds, or whatever we had to do. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say that, but you know, I was trying to work with them on some sky kicks and things like that. Um, but you know, with with Nemo, and then of course you got a wide receiver over there that's going to Louisville. You're right that that offense is just it, it's just it seems unstoppable this year. It is you know whether they're you kick it out of the back of the end zone, they start at their own twenty. They can hit a home run in the first play. Uh, and, and that well, did, uh, almost like a five A ball. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, I think you look at Nemo Squires. By the way, guys, he has played some of that travel league football down here for uh, Coach Booker and uh, Danny Jones is the area that he played in. So he's got some some time that we've seen him grow up from the little guy to the grown man that, of course, everybody's getting a chance to introduce himself to. And then when you got a guy going to play power five football as a wide receiver, I mean, it's that one-two punch when you run the ball that opens up to throw the ball and vice versa. That means you got to have a pretty good quarterback over there, Coach. And I'm sure you guys saw him and a lot of them on Saturday. When it comes down to it, I will rarely, never, probably ever. And the guys that – and I've seen big-time running backs over there like Stan the Man back in my day of playing. I know what they do mm-hmm. with Dylan. They were in our region back in the day over when I was at Sockasty. And I'm going to stick with Dylan as long as they're in the playoffs. I go Dylan big. I don't even think they have an issue tonight or on Friday night when they uh, – See Gilbert. Now we go to the game that's a little close to all of our hearts here at Southern Sports Central. It's our game of the week. We'll be there broadcasting at the kickoff to uh, well, down the kickoff at six o'clock to seven thirty. And when you look at a Oceanside and Camden, you first think, well, Camden's got a good running back or two, very good. But they struggled a little bit, guys, against a team like Brooklyn Casey. On the other side, it's Oceanside. Well, Oceanside did what they did, and they continue to do what they do, but it wasn't a pretty win against a team like Ainer. They came down and lost a lot of guys from last year, but a coach that came down a little early because he wanted to have his guys ready to play the game. Now, Coach, you've seen both of these teams. You know these coaches. You understand the battle that's going to be taking place under the lights of Johnson Hagen Stadium. Your thoughts on the Camden coming down to Oceanside on Friday night? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you got to understand, you know, with Oceanside playing Aynard, you've got to understand now, Aynard had the lead on Dillon with three minutes to go in the game this year. Um, and Dillon scored, you know, to win the game. But Aynard, what Aynard, I mean, even it's ground-oriented as we are, Aynard does that thing in another level where it's just tough. And so, you know, I'm going to give, I'm going to, you know, tip my hat a little bit that Joe calling them, you know, for winning that game. I mean, you know, uh, because, like I said, it, it, it wasn't an easy deal with them, you know. The thing that, that surprises me a little bit about Oceanside is they average, you know, about 296 yards on offense, but but not as much of their offense is coming from through the air as it has in the past. You know, and of course, their only loss is to a great collegiate. You know, Oceanside's defense has three shutouts. You know, Camden's defeated Brooklyn Casey, like you said, 52 44. But I think part of that is the week before, they beat Burns 30-19. And what I understand is that game wasn't even as close as indicated. So I think kids were kids. And I think after they did what they did to Burns, uh, the coach at Cannon probably had his handfuls convincing them, you know, that Brooklyn Casey was going to beat them. you got to understand against three A-teams, you know, Cannon scored over 50 points four times. And even though Oceanside is going to be at home and playing at Johnson Haygood, 
Um, like Jackie Hayes told me, he didn't know if anybody can stop Cannon, which I know he's bluffing a little bit. But they got like <laughs> three, uh, they got like three offensive linemen on that team that's got D one offers, and so I think I th- I'm going with Camden. Eugene, you want to get on this one? Well, by rules, I'm not allowed to pick, uh, much like you couldn't pick in the Fort D game. Uh, I'll right. just say this. Uh, Willis Lane, I've gotten to know him over the past couple weeks. He was on our show last week. He's a great young man. Uh, for his career, he now has 399 carries for an even 4,000 yards. What does that tell you if you can do a little bit of math? For every time you hand him the ball, he gets you a first down. That's 10 yards a clip. Uh, that is unheard of. Uh, I think if, you know, uh, he gets his academics in, in line, like he's working really, really hard to do, you know, he's going to have a chance, you know, hopefully to go on and play at the next level. I think he's special. Like you said, he's running behind an offensive line that has three uh, guys going on to the next level. Oceanside's defensive line is, is very, very young. They graduated all four starters last year. One kind of split time, he's a junior this year in DeVoe. Um, you know, and, and they can make plays. One thing that helped Oceanside in both the gray game and, and um, Aner is either making a key stop on a fourth down or causing a turnover. Um, and, you know, obviously I, I would have to give special teams nod to Oceanside, uh, running game and offense. Offense, I would go Camden. Defense, you know, I, I haven't seen enough of the Camden defense. I can look at stats all day. Uh, sometimes you just got to be offered opportunistic on defense. I don't think they've had to just because, you know, they keep the ball so much on offense, they just wear down the other defenses. So I'm just going to go stats, and uh, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push on the pick. Hey, look at there. And, you know, Coach, Coach you heard he gave us some love to the special teams over there. <laughs> I'm going to let you I have know. that with you. <laughs> you know, that, it, this is a tough one because I want to go with your heart, you know, and that's usually, you know, a lot of times I spend a lot of times with Joe Call on the sideline at Somerville being his, his media man and, and doing the things that we did at Somerville. You know, and, and if there's ever a guy that could get a kid up, I mean, I call him out of the – the Dabo Sweeney of high school football. He's a player's coach, and I think he can get his kids ready. But I look at this team, and and I see a Camden team coming in with a very good running game, and and I watched this happen on Friday night against a team in 5A, and that was a Fort Dorchester team that played River Bluff. When you have a team like River Bluff, very similar to Camden, if I'm not mistaken, they run the ball a lot. They hit you in the ribs a bunch. Sooner than later, they're going to knock you down. And that's what's going to happen. And when they knock you down, that looks like a touchdown or some type of points. Meanwhile, they're taking a lot of, point, a lot of, I'd say, seconds off the clock. That also looks at the game that they played a few weeks ago and against a team like Gray, who also, I think, has some similarities as well. And they struggled against certain things. And, again, I'm maybe getting kicked out of the stadium before I get there. But, uh, you know, I hope Coach Call and the boys over at Oceanside prove me wrong and, and make me buy him something to eat. But I, I cannot go against the young man that we had in here, that running game that, of course, is going to possibly open up some attacks in the secondary, which is some concern for me, you know, in Oceanside. And that secondary, those guys on that back wave over there, how does that look? You know, you look at the wide receivers at Oceanside, uh, you know, that's I think the one thing that they're missing right now is a big, tall, lanky receiver and that's where you'll see a team like Camden, I think, kind of pin in on them. And I think Camden, you know, they went in a close one. I don't think it's a blowout unless uh, they get in their feelings over in Johnson A. Good. But uh, I think it's a close one, and I do believe Camden gets the nod. So that will wrap up 
the uh, the one, two, and three. Now, Coach, you asked, and I'm going to deliver, but we're going to have to do a hot shot here because of the minutes remaining. And uh, we will look at four and five A. I'll give you the team. You the, the matchup. Nah, you give me the team. I, How about that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was kidding, man. I was kidding. Well, we want to add you. Hey, Coach, I like the idea because uh, we're, we're charting all this down. So, you know, who knows? We may even buy you something to eat uh, as, as a winner out of all four of us. How about that? Hey, let's do it. All right. So, let's start off 4A. We'll go North Myrtle Beach hosting North Augusta. That's a big matchup. Your likes and uh, or maybe your opinion in a game like this. I don't know a whole lot about North Augusta, but I know about North Carolina Beach. And I think, you know, the head coach that was at North Carolina Beach as that River Bluff now, the guy that took over his pedigree. So I'm going to go with North Carolina Beach on this. All right, Myrtle Beach and Buford. Buford is home, by the way. Myrtle Beach, going with Myrtle Beach. <laughs> AC Floor, I already tell you this. You AC Floor and South Point. You can't go against Mickey. You can't go against Mickey. South Point, I'm going with South Point. Anytime you hear the word South Point, you go with them. Against AC Floor. Look at that, Coach. You may be getting a bunch of steak dinners from all of us here if that happens. Uh, Irmo, Catawba Ridge, they upset the bigger seeds. They're playing to see another day, Coach. You like Irmo? You like Catawba Ridge? Uh, I'm going to go with Irmo on this one, dude. I'm going to go with Irmo. There you go. That's a safe bet. Irmo's got that history under the belt. Now we'll stay in the upstate in 5A, T.L. Hanna, home of radio. They'll be playing Gaffney. Well, you know about the Little Johns. Who wins this one? Um, wow. Uh, yeah, this is going to be tough. All right, who's home? Um, I believe, Eugene, is that right? T.L. Hanna, is T.L. Hanna home there at the top? T.L. Hanna is the number one overall seed in the upstate. That is correct. All right, I'm going. If it was if it was at Gaffney, I'm going. I would go with Gaffney, but I'll go with T.L. Hanna. All right, Dorman Northwestern. Um, you know Paige Wofford's done a tremendous job at Northwestern, and you know he had, you know, I think he beat South Point this year, and uh, it's an unbelievable coach. But um, I'm gonna have to go against him on this one. Oh, look at there! How about this one? Now we'll go Dutch Fork. Carolina Forest in a rematch. Well, that does- I know Tom, and we we coached against 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 each other in some seven on seven, and and I'm gonna tell you, you know, uh, love him, hate him, whatever it is, Tom Knox is gonna win again. <laughs> no doubt about it. I love his speech he gave last year in the championship game, as uh, they won that one against Dorman, by the way. And he told his kids at this moment, at this time. This is the most important thing in your life. At the end of this game, we'll reprioritize everything. But right now, this is what you need to do. And, again, winning is definitely something he knows a little bit about. Now, the yep. final game in 5A, and this is the lower state, Sumter, the Gamecocks, taking on the River Bluff Gators. Wow. I mean, you know, I'm telling you, Blake does a heck of a job at River Bluff. He's, I think he's one of the best coaches in the state of South Carolina. But Sumter is just – they are loaded, <laughs> loaded. And so, I got to go up there on this. Hey, going Gamecocks. They do, by the way, have a great quarterback. He's a lefty, by the way. And they've got two massive, massive defensive linemen. And don't forget about that running back. We had that running back in here. He just got an opportunity as a preferred walk-on to the Citadel. And the Citadel doesn't take just anybody. So, this kid's not only a good football player, he's a great character. 
and that all means a lot. I know for the family over there, Ed Sumter. Coach, you did a great job. I'm impressed because the next week, the guy that comes in is going to have a heck of a, uh, a follow-up here, some big <laughs> shoes to fill with these stats you've been dropping. Well, listen, man, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to talking to you guys again, man. Now, are you going to be at the game Friday night, or what, what's the plan for you this weekend? Or are you just hitting the lake? Um, you know what? I'm going to check the weather and see. Um, you know, it gets dark at 530 now. So, I mean, I, I'm thinking about Oceanside and watching the game. Well, I tell you what, let me know if you do. Coach Dill's going to be there. You be there. We'll, we we can put together some guys and we can do some radio. We're actually going to be doing uh, a special, as you were kind of hearing me there, going through the uh, countdown to kickoff. It'll be a special Southern Sports Central from 6 to 7.30. And we'll do a lot of this recap and we'll have some guys check in from around the state. But love to have you down and, and let's talk some football. And I'd love to pick your brain throughout the entire night of uh, Friday Night Lights, Coach. It'd be an honor. Uh, if I do it, we'll we'll definitely give you a call, buddy. All right, buddy. God bless you. Thanks for everything, buddy. Thanks, guys. We're going to hit him with the bonus question, Richie. Oh, wait a go minute. Ahead, we got Jeff. bonus. Hey, bonus for 500, Eugene. Throw it at him. All right. The bonus question is, oh, I <laughs> who, do the, who, who, do, who do the Gamecocks hire? Ooh. <laughs> um, well, you know. I graduated in South Carolina, so, I mean, honestly, I would like to see Billy Napier come. I think that, um, you know, I think Napier has done it the right way. He's got a great pedigree um, where he's coming from, and I think that um, – I think the people in, in, of, of Gamecock Nation would accept that. I think um, anything outside of that, whoever it is, they're going to have to hit a home run, and I think they would, Napier would do it the right way. That's what I think. Well, you might be getting your wish because we got a source, as you know, everybody likes to have, Coach, and that's somebody that I understand, Eugene understands, and those around us understand that that's, that may be the next guy to uh, hang out on the sidelines coming up this year, coming up, Coach. Uh, thanks for what you do on and off, you know, the football fields, always showing the love of Southern Sports Central and what we do and allowing us to be a part of your program. Fingers crossed that we can come visit you guys not virtually, but actually reality, and sit on the campus and get to know you guys and your players one-on-one. I look forward to it, buddy. All right, Coach. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Thank you. Yes, sir. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, our celebrity guest picker tonight. He did a great job, Eugene. Statistically, he nailed it. I mean, I got to be honest with you. When you had a guy like Art Craig, he's been around for 23 years, 23 years. He's doing something right. And he's done it at all over there at Timberland, but here he goes now wants to start over again. And he's doing it and already having success with it with the Hawks. He had a great running back. He had some really talented athletes around that running back on the offense. The defense I thought did a really good job. You actually got a chance to see them, but to have a guy like Art Craig support, the dream of Southern Sports Central, but to support us, but also I would almost say endorse us, right? To say that, hey, for him to come on here means that we're doing something right. And I just, it, it means a lot to me when we can get a legendary coach and a principal on the same week and Berkeley County has both. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, just had a guest arrive at the house. Uh, uh, Jeremiah's mom stopped by for a second, dropped something off. But, you know, it's always fun having him on, man. I don't know why. He just, you know, I guess I, I I relate to him in so many ways. There's actually so many things that we both love. And I tell you, if, if I had an opportunity to uh, go fish in 
But if he's still listening, man, uh, you know, I, I got a few fishing poles and a uh, trolling motor and a fishing license and certainly got uh, a few bucks I can throw in for some bait. Uh, maybe we can go and outfish uh, Coach Sean Wright or maybe I'll get together and, and catch some fish. Uh, that'd be a heck of a time. But, man, I, I tell you, it sounds like it's going to be a fun sideline uh, pregame on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be, as the young say, lit for sure. As uh, we'll be there, it's going to be a great night for football, but it'll start at 6 o'clock, Johnson Hagen Stadium, as I will be bringing you, along with Eugene and a few of our closest friends, the Countdown to Kickoff special, Southern Sports Central style. We'll get off the air about 727, and uh, that will, of course, uh, get you ready because they do have a broadcast team that does a great job over there at Oceanside, and there's a few other ones around the state that we want to give you guys a chance to just enjoy what they do. And again, I want to say this, it's an honor and an opportunity that I really look forward to being a part of on Friday night. Again, I, I spent a lot of years standing side by side with Joe and, and, and hanging out with coach call at Somerville. God led him to another path. I got the opportunity to go in another direction, but the history and the memories and, and the, and the fraternity, if uh, you, you know, you look at the bigger picture, it is, uh, it, it's so much bigger than the game. And I say this, Kind of a parting factor here, guys, and it's this simple. And we had no idea. We had no idea that we would even have a season when all this started. But not only did the memories get made, did the friendship get strong, around the corner got made as well. Man, oh, man, what a season it has been. And for those who are playing Friday night, I suggest that you leave it all on the field. You have a moment, have a game, and have a day, if you will. But make sure that you just take a moment, slow down, Take a deep breath, listen to the crowd, look at the scoreboard, and then close your eyes and stock it somewhere deep down inside because there's nothing like the nights of Friday night. That being said, I'll leave this with you. And I do a ritual of uh, Chinese food on Wednesday nights. It's one of the traditions that I've done here for now nine years. And I opened my fortune cookie, and this is what it told me for you guys. To do nothing is to be nothing. So go out tonight, tomorrow night, and make sure Friday night that you go out and do something, all right? God bless you. We want to thank all of our guests tonight, David Shelton with the Post and Courier, William, of course, uh, Jay Williams, the commissioner of the South Carolina Youth Football Association, Kevin Noon with BuckeyeGrove.com and Rivals, and our celebrity guest picker who did an incredible five-star job. That is Coach Art Craig. Guys, God bless. Take care. Tomorrow night, live, 6 o'clock, is the South Carolina High School Blitz Sports Show, guys. Until then. Take care. This song is to encourage my brothers and my sisters that might be going through some things in your life. I want to let you know that Jesus said he would never leave you nor forsake you. You're not in this thing by yourself. Just keep holding on and don't give up. He'll be there for you. We've been might endure for a night, but here comes the joy. Let's go. Come on. Uh-huh.